0: Hey guys, you're probably wondering why I sound so bad. Well, that's because I used the wrong microphone for this episode. So James sounds like God, and I sound like some fool playing Call of Duty. I went through, fixed up the audio best I could so it doesn't sound terrible. It just sounds worse. But I figured you guys want your episode whether or not I sound my best. And... You know, I was originally going to release this thing where I said, "Ah, eh, sorry, don't listen to the, you know, we're not releasing this week because I sound terrible. And then I went through and listened to it, and I was like, ah, all right, this is fine. This'll do. It doesn't sound great, but it doesn't sound horrible. You know, it's not like I recorded it on a wax cylinder. But anyway, I apologize for the failure. That was entirely me, Aaron C. What a letdown. But anyway, uh, just wanted to give you a little, little sorry for that, but... I think we should just roll the episode. Here we go. <clears throat> anyway, so whatever. It's a miracle of magic that this woman has trained her toad to drink milk. Mm. So William Harvey's just watching this toad drink up the milk and he's just like, fuck, I need a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James.
1: Good evening. Today we will talk about Tim. Is it a name
0: or is it not a name? I'm Jim, and we're here to talk about Tim. (laughs) That was almost like a really ultra-serious intro to Hardcore History. (laughs) Something. Have you ever heard of a person named Tim? Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we're not that show. Maybe someday, probably not. Okay, so we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateur's best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? Um... Hold on.
2: Oh, uh, fuck. I'm. Fuck, shut up.
0: Uh, hold on. <laughs> what the hell is going on over there?
2: <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I'm what is up... that music? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking up how to pronounce his name. <laughs> it's Pancho Villa. Yeah, okay, good. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> What? Well, no, I was watching a documentary on him last night, and the guy was like, Poncho Villa. I was like, that can't be right, but That's I'm going right. to sound really stupid if I don't say, say his name right. Okay, so, Aaron, glad <laughs> you
0: asked. We have Matthew Hopkins and Pancho Villa. <laughs> I was so expecting you to say Poncho Villa. Villa Poncho. <laughs> I have to say, this is a decent selection for our indecent podcast. Well, you know what they say. Bush did 9-11. That's right, James! Shall we head down to the history lab? Let's go! In a world where witches walk free, two men stood up and said, no. Matthew Hopkins and Pancho Villa, one, a man who hunted witches and killed a lot of people. The other, a revolutionary and caudillo who starred in the movies they made about him. Which is pretty hardcore. In the cooperative and holy gentlemanly game of Cucumber Belly whacker, only one can become the leader of God's divine kingdom. <sighs> you know what this show needs, James? Hmm. It needs a friendly and delightfully charming housekeeper of some kind. Someone who just comes in and makes everything all right, Brings maybe brings in a silver tray of tea and biscuits and whistles as they work. You know, it's a nice thought, but I do not agree with that at all. No, what this show needs is a
2: lion pit. So <laughs> that if we really piss off each other, we have that button where if I press it, your chair just flips on its back and you go tumbling down into the lion's pit and then i finished the episode without you with the lion
0: who's now <laughs> sufficiently fed <laughs> well i would see if i flipped you into the lion pit i wouldn't really lose anything cuz all i'd have to do is put a lion in front of the mic and they could replace all your scream <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true yeah. yeah yeah computer please bring up matthew hopkins and poncho via i'm sorry the the computer is ringing <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to pick this up we're getting a call from a telemarketer. Oh god. In you. the history lab. Hello? Hello, am I speaking
2: to James Eggleston? It's it's just James D, but yes you are.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty
2: sure, sir, that you have the wrong number. (laughs) That uh, could not have been me. I mean, we have the hair. We ran a DNA test. It comes back to James D. Uh, How do you have my DNA on file? You paint us with your hair. Fuck. All right, I'm going to have to call you back. I'm in the middle of some Uh, stupid shit, but uh, I'll call you back after (laughs) this is done. Goodbye! No! Don't you dare hang up on me! Sorry, I'm back.
0: What was that?
2: Oh, it's just a relative, you know, just checking in.
0: Alright, are we ready to go? Uh, yes. Great! Uh, Computer, please bring up Matthew Hopkins and Pancho Villa. Affirmative, my lord. Did we already do that? We did. And then your phone rang. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just
2: mark your computer. Alright, so, tell me, Aaron, what is Matthew Hopkins best known for?
0: Matthew Hopkins is best known for being the Witchfinder General. That's a thing? Which was not a real thing!
2: (laughs) But he definitely made it his thing. Oh, Mm alright. That sounds Mm -hmm. good. And um, oh dear, oh, oh dear. Here he (laughs) is. (laughs) Ask the question, James! What was his physical description?
0: Well, just look at this little guy. He's an Englishman of what appears to be fairly short stature. He's got a respectable beard, a seriously curly head of hair, and a big pilgrim hat on his fluffy little head. Mm. He carries a big stick, presumably to beat witches with. Oh, and wears a cloak and some extremely funky boots. Yeah, baby podcasting is fun. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, that is what he
2: looks like. It, it, if Gandalf dressed up as a pilgrim, that's what this <laughs> yeah. Etch-A-Sketch is.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's... So, uh...
2: <laughs> Alright, I'm ready.
0: So what is uh, Pancho Villa best known for, James?
2: Pancho Villa is best known God for being a Robin Hood Revolutionary. Or just a douchebag. Wait, what? We don't know. Who knows? <laughs> we do know. I don't know. There. Okay. That's... Pontrovilla is a very controversial figure, so I'm going to cover him on our stupid
0: podcast. Great. I can't wait. And to... screw up
2: both sides of the argument.
0: Well, we've done that before. That's so, true. You know, yeah. it's, it's only par for the course. Right. <laughs> But I gotta know, I, I gotta know, James. Yeah. What did Pancho Villa look like? Well, did you get the picture? I, or- I didn't get the picture. Well, I can pull it up. Just give me just a second. I'll i I'll pull it up. Hold, hold okay. on.
2: Because you have to see no, it. Tell this, a story. This picture is the manliest picture you'll ever see.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> tell the listeners That's what amazing. you see. That's <laughs>
3: amazing.
0: I see a savior on a white steed. Yeah, it's just the, that <laughs> the what is the word? I can't think of the word. It's the most sure uh, face I've ever seen. Yeah, con- he's like, so he knows exactly. <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly what the fuck's about to go down, and he's uh, got that big sombrero and a couple of bandoliers with bullets. He's got Oh my a, god. He's
2: got like a three-piece suit on. Yeah, the bandoliers. He's got this huge handlebar mustache that looks good. Yeah. <laughs> a, he's on this giant white stallion. Uh, there's guns strapped to the side of the saddle. It, it's incredible. <laughs> it is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I know. <laughs> I'm going to dress up like this for the rest of my
0: life. Okay.
2: (laughs) Except without the bandoliers because
0: I live in Chicago. Wait, you would have the bandoliers because you live in Chicago. Oh, fair
2: point. Fair point. Yeah. Gun humor. (laughs) But I'm a law abiding
0: citizen. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) You have no right to stop me. (laughs) Am I being detained? Your license, any identity? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Shall we begin? I, I'm yes, ready to uh, get but into also, some
2: witch hunts. <laughs> I I
0: I just want to make sure you know I'm gonna imagine you in that getup throughout this entire episode. Oh, please do With sombrero, mustache, bandolier, guns, everything. I mean, I am just wearing makes a poncho. You so much dumber look. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what?
2: Yeah, you- it's not actually a poncho. It's just a a bath towel that I cut a hole in, and then I. Drape it over myself <laughs> It's just a really efficient way to dry After a bath
4: Oh that's That's I'm really good making, advice yeah. I th- But that's uh, <laughs> per usual
0: <laughs> Right okay so shall we move into Matthew Hopkins early life Yes Alright we're gonna start off with a little game Alright Alright
2: I'm sorry I was sipping coffee uh, Now for my actual response <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so oh, it's it. time okay. to play. Mm-hmm. Guess what year Matthew Hopkins was born? Go! What? Wait, out of all the years? All the years! Um, oh! 1589. Wrong! Matthew Hopkins was born in the first quarter or so of the 1600s. Shit. Which is exactly why we know almost nothing about him. Oh. Well, that was, a, that was fact, the best game I've ab- ever played. <laughs> yeah, game over. Uh, you lose. Oh. <laughs> Good day, sir. Um, so, yeah, we don't really know anything about him until 1644. Oh, God. Okay. Because he didn't do anything <laughs> until 1644.
2: Well, he survived, right? And that's, again, that's a plus in this era.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> Up
0: until 2003, the bar is pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so this is an important year, mm. all right? Mm-hmm. Because that was the year the first English Civil War began. Oh, the first,
2: <laughs> the first is, is yeah. So, how many are there? Does Brexit count as a civil
0: war? I feel like it should. It might soon. Who knows? So they've had nine <laughs> anyway. civil wars. Okay. Yeah, okay, so anyway, <clears throat> Oliver Cromwell was doing his thing, mm. and, you know, that we'll get to later. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably on the Oliver Cromwell episode. Probably. But all you need to know now is that, yeah, is that Cromwell and his boys set up a Puritan regime, mm. which is a whole thing. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not getting into it. No, we're not getting into it because this podcast is about Matthew Hopkins. All the time. Who was... Oh, jeez. Are you getting a lot of delay? Yeah. Okay, horrible. Let me just hang up and we'll try again. <laughs> Maybe we should take this opportunity to inform our listeners about the weather situation in Chicago, James! Oh, okay, I will. So here in
2: Chicago, everyone has died. And I'm the <laughs> only one sitting
0: underneath the bean. You're just freezing out there. Yeah. 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 So I keep hearing from people things like negative 50. Oh, it's not quite that bad. Um, Today
2: it's like negative 14 without the wind chill. Tomorrow it's supposed to be like negative 30 without the wind chill. Actually, probably Jesus. around negative 50 with the wind. So it's freaking cold. We've got a ton of snow everywhere.
1: Uh, yeah, the weather's pretty... the weather outside is
0: frightful. <laughs> well, oh, okay, so, <laughs> uh, uh, what's it like to go outside in a place where you could die if you're out in it for 10 minutes?
3: hmm
2: Well, what you have to do is you have to, you have to boil some water. <clears throat> then you have to pour that water in a, in a jar, like a mason jar. Uh, then you have to lobotomize yourself, take out your brain, put it in, into the jar... And then you walk outside. Thus, your brain will stay warm as the rest of your body freezes and disintegrates into tiny little pieces. And you're left as just a brain in a mason jar full of lukewarm water. Which is what I am right now. Uh, with ear prugs, <laughs> earbuds stuck in the sides. Um, which is annoying that, because they keep falling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of what what we Yanks are doing up here. Uh, we're just a bunch of brains in mason jars.
0: Well, it's not as bad as what happened to Indiana with the whole nuclear apocalypse thing.
2: That is true. That is true. Yeah, so I can't complain, really. I mean, the thing I miss the most is Chinese food. Um, because you just can't pick up chopsticks with a brain.
0: <laughs> anyway. What? Uh, I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, be a quitter. That's okay with me. I mean, I mean, if you really want to
2: come up here and stick the chopsticks into my brain to be a real pal, you can do that. It'd be like a Mr. Potato Head, except a lot squishier.
0: Do <laughs> <laughs> you think that's something that Favor would do? Can I call someone up and have him come over and stick chopsticks in your brain? <laughs> yeah, just just tip the
2: pizza guy a few more bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so we were talking about a Puritan regime. Mm.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: speaking of yes. chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this was like really, uh, this was during the first English Civil War, as okay. we said. Right. Um, but we're not going to get too into the details of that because this podcast is about Matthew Hopkins and he's tangentially related to the English Civil War.
3: mm right? mm-hmm.
0: But we also know that he was born in England, mm-hmm. in uh, Great Wenham, Suffolk, actually. Um, not that that means anything to us Yankees. <laughs> no, no.
2: I mean, it's all over. It's all the same over the pond.
0: I was gonna say Great Wenham, Suffolk could just just sounds like it could be anywhere.
2: <laughs> it UK. does. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Just like imagine like a farmhouse with a thousand sheep, and you know, a Starbucks. In a 300 year old building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then a red coat drinking tea as he kicks the sheep in the face. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we also know about Matthew Hopkins that his family probably had six children in it. Hmm, good. And we also know that his father was named James. <laughs> what church. Yeah, I know. Ooh. Not enough James's. No. No. Um, there really aren't. But which church? Which church, you ask? Um, I don't know. I didn't ask. Yeah. The right one! Oh, God. Yes, that's right. Old Dad was a Puritan vicar. Mm. Which is a terrifying combination of (laughs) words.
2: I remember when Spider-Man fought that guy.
0: (laughs) Puritan vicar. Yeah. Um, right. In fact, actually, his dad was such a skilled Puritan... (laughs) <laughs> that he impressed even the famous famous iconoclast William dowsing oh uh, who in his mission to destroy all church imagery uh, I don't know if you remember this from growing up but we talked about this a lot yeah we did they uh, yeah there were iconoclasts who destroyed like pictures of Jesus and Mary and all this kind of stuff because mm-hmm. they believed it was idolatry and superstition right Um. But yeah, so this guy, William Dowsing, who's like the chief iconoclast, visited uh, visited um, James Hopkins Parish and said, quote, there was nothing to reform. Oh, shit. Which is saying something, because Puritans are very, very picky. So hmm. if there's nothing at all to reform, yeah, very <laughs> Puritan.
2: <laughs> that, that's something to put on a resume. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was Puritan,
0: did not reform. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, while little Matthew Hopkins is growing up in his little town of Great Wenham in Suffolk, he gathers some experience with witches. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh. Um, what experience this might be, Matthew Hopkins does not say, say in his book... Um, he just sort of says, I got lots of experience with witches and growing up where I grew up.
4: What, what um, does that mean?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to know. All right. Thing. Yeah. By the way, so he wrote this book called the discovery of witches, mm. which was all about discovering witches. <laughs> you don't say, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it was basically a witch hunting manual. Hmm. Oh jeez Alright And we will be consulting this book Which is written in ye old English oh, Frequently yes. Throughout this podcast But for now We really can't do much more Because like most people born way back in the day There's literally next to nothing about his childhood <laughs> Yeah
2: Except he had experience with witches
0: <laughs> Yeah apparently Something like that uh, but trust me, there's more than enough going on in his adult life to justify everything. I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, what we will do is give a very brief overview of the religious situation in the mid 1600s in England, just so the listeners have a little bit of context. Sure, that's probably a good plan. Yeah, so here's the thing it's all very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> And it gets even more complicated when religion gets mixed up in politics. Uh. Politics gets mixed up in religion, whichever you decide you want to do to destroy your country. (laughs) But here's basically what the Puritans were, okay? Uh They were a Christian sect who believed in the doctrine of Calvinism, which is basically the belief that God selected certain individuals prior to their birth, and indeed prior to time itself, to go to become Christians and go to heaven right? Yeah. God preordained who was going to be a Christian. And he also preordained who was going to go to hell, so there's that. Thank you, Calvinism. Yes. Yeah, that
2: scarred my childhood.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, anyway, they're... We're going to try our best not to to get into that one. Um, So, anyway, their church services were based around the sermon, which Mm. was, of course, different from, you know, Catholicism, which is liturgical. Right. Uh, And, uh... This is because the Puritans believe that uh, the sermon was basically the best way to shew the way of the Lord upon the heathen heart. Mm. Which, of course, asks the question: mm-hmm. Why even bother introducing someone to your Christian sect if they might already be predetermined to go to hell or not?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know if they are it's or not. I don't
0: know. But it's a divine mystery. It's a divine comedy. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, but we're not going to explore this genuine theological question any further because this is a history podcast. Damn it! Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Becca might sue us for saying a history podcast. Kind of. So I would,
3: I would. Oh, request oh that, shit!
0: Oh god! Yeah. Um, sort of. We'll go with sort of. That's a reference to our buddy Becca Eller, e uh, of the Retold History podcast, and they recently just started. A Harry Potter podcast, which I actually haven't listened to yet.
2: It's uh, it's on my list. It's on my phone. Yeah, I'm I mean, excited I'm for not it. a big
0: Harry Potter guy, but I I don't mind listening to Becca talk about Harry Potter. That I'm a big Harry guy, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, really added the Potter to yet yet. Yeah, you'll get to the Potter part. Mr. Potter. Just, uh, yes. Anyway, so, <clears throat> the Puritans really made a name for themselves by being entirely against the... The uh, Catholic Church, sure, um, seeing it as a woefully corrupted institution, <laughs> and uh, <What>? they also, <laughs> but they also didn't like the Anglican Church because, God damn it, that thing was terrible, you know. Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, so here's another thing that Puritans were super into. Okay, mm-hmm. Puritans were really into marriage. Like they're just. All about getting married, mm. um, but they also believed that marriage was about three things. First of all, oh, no. love. Oh, good. Oh, and the second was procreation. Oh, all right.
3: Makes <laughs> Get busy. <sense. laughs>
0: yeah, and then the last thing was about salvation. Uh, what? <laughs> yes. So the family unit was meant to uh, bring more people into the church and save them from. Uh,
2: oh, okay.
0: Yeah, which you know, that's again seems kind of useless to me if God's already decided who's gonna be you know, yeah, you know. in hell and who's not. But anyway, so all
2: I know is that my but- marriage is zero for three according to the Puritan list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm already? kidding. We have plenty Damn of it. children. I'm I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so okay. <clears throat> Uh, and one other thing, by the way. I'm I'm certain there's some Calvinist out there going,
4: That's not what the Calvinists think!
2: No, oh, I don't. TULIP!
4: Remember, TULIP!
2: Yeah, never. Yep. Never, okay, we're not gonna get into that. TULIP, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. It's the acronym that stands for the five points of Calvinism. I can't remember what it stands. It stands for uh, uh, yes. turtles, right. underwear, lips, independence, <laughs> and
0: pilgrims, I think. But... Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. (laughs) It's all very confusing. Uh, So let's talk about this Puritan family unit a tiny Mm. bit, okay? Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. Husbands were the head of the household. Right. And were in charge of basically everything regarding familial business. Sure. But Puritans still considered women to be equals in the marriage. Uh, They were, like, big on that. They were like, hey, like, they're this, they're equal. They're going to do all the housework, but they're, they're equal. Right. Um, except also, mm. uh, the women were allowed to make decisions about when to have children. Oh. And how many children to have. Well, that's, which, that's probably I mean, good. <laughs> in the 1600s, that's a hell of an
2: idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. Um... Yeah, good good <laughs> for them for finally getting there.
0: <laughs> well, right. hey, baby steps to toward 2019 where morality has been thankfully perfected and we never have to ask any questions about what's moral ever again. That's true. Anyway, so the puritans were basically the hipster indie band of Christianity. <laughs> all right. They Uh, were.
4: Yeah. They were
0: disgusted with the pop culture of religions, (laughs) or pop music in this case. Uh, Pop Christianity, if you will. uh, And they wanted to take things back a few years and just make things simple by purifying uh, the excesses of Roman Catholicism and Anglicanism from Christianity. Okay. Thus the name Puritan. Mm. And here's where we... Here's where the, uh, the rubber meets the road, or you might say the Puritan meets the (laughs) stake. One of the beliefs mixed in with Puritan doctrine was the strong belief that there are actual demons and witches and all that kind of stuff out there waiting to turn you into a newt when you're not looking. Well, obviously. Yeah, so it sort of makes everything a little more fun and magical, but it also creates its own little industry of unofficial witchers. Oh, Which, if I'm being perfectly honest, is amazingly badass.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, so, it is. as you might imagine, Anglicans do not like Puritans very much. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the Puritans like the Anglicans either, so there.
3: Mm.
0: <clears throat> Still, one has the power, the Anglicans. And it's ended up being part of the reason why the Puritans uh, went to America doing uh, Thanksgiving and ate turkey with Native Americans uh, before they flourished in the New World. Mm. Because when you don't have the boot of the Anglican church on your neck, you can do the things you want to do. That's (laughs) Uh, true. Anyway, this is all a gross oversimplification, but that's where we're going to (laughs) stop. All right. Okay. (laughs) So uh, this dude, Matthew Hopkins, is born amidst all of this, raised in a Puritan family, and is trained to believe that actual witches exist and cause serious problems in towns and villages and the world. That, I, all right. I mean, same here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: They're called true crime podcasters.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Today, everybody, we're we're gonna be talking about Ted Bundy. Uh, and then then next week we'll be talking about the Manson murders, the helter-skelter shit. You may have heard of him. (laughs) I may have heard of him on the other 35 (laughs) podcasts that covered him in the last five fucking days. (laughs) Hey,
2: hey, side note, we should really hop on that Ted Bundy train.
0: Uh...
2: I mean, we gotta wanna. we gotta milk that golden goose. I mean, is, is that fair. how
0: animal biology works? Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Okay, good. I read it in the Bible. Hmm. <laughs> yes. All right, so so you know it's true. Anyway, it should we go into Pancho V's early life? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Take it away, ready when you. Are.
3: <laughs>
2: All right, all right, all right. Now, before I begin, I have to say this, and I said it earlier, but Pancho Villa was and is a very controversial guy, um, as as all bandit-turned-revolutionaries tend to be. Mm, Mm -hmm. That's the winning combo right there. It is. (laughs) It's like a... (coughs) Yeah. So he's... This guy's either portrayed as a Mexican Robin Hood figure... Or as a giant scumbag and murderer. You get either Uh, one. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I've done my best to kind of narrow both narratives down to the facts, but just keep this in mind.
0: Uh, Alright, I
2: will. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's difficult is that much of what we know about Poncho is from Poncho himself. (laughs) (laughs) So, who knows... (laughs)
0: Classic. Well, that's just like Matthew Hopkins, for what it's worth. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyone before social media, that's kind of what you have to do, is just take them on their own word. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. even on social media.
2: No. No. No? That's, that's wrong. <laughs> Everyone is honest. Right. So, okay, so <laughs> <Yeah>. everything...
0: <laughs> Facebook is full of truth tellers.
2: It's truth book.
0: <laughs> Instagram doesn't have a Photoshop epidemic. No, no, no. No, no. Silicon Valley is God.
2: Shall we <laughs> carry on? We shall. So, we don't know much about Poncho's early life. Uh, all we know is what he told us, and he often told conflicting stories. And he also often lied. <laughs> so, what's probably true is that he was probably born on June 5th, 1878, in Durango, which is a state in northern Mexico. Pancho later ah. said that his dad was a bandit, but no, probably not. His dad is probably a sharecropper. Anyway... Why not both? That's true. I mean, anyone who shares crops is obviously a bandit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you hear Kulak
0: in the distance? I can hear them now. (laughs) Weep!
2: Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, so, Pranjo's upbringing was probably okay. It was probably decent without any, you know, huge problems that a lot of our characters run into. Uh, He went to a church-run school for a bit, learned how to read, sort of... um, he, he
4: wasn't
2: he wasn't completely literate, but he knew how to read a little bit, kind of like me. Uh, but then his dad died, so he had to quit school to help his mom. Uh, and in order to help support his mother and four younger siblings, Poncho did all sorts of things, like farm, he became a mule driver, a butcher, a bricklayer. He also worked for the U.S. Railway Company, or a U.S. Railway Uh-oh. Company. Yeah, yeah, Mm. those stupid Americans down in Mexico again. (laughs) Eventually, though, Pancho became a bandit. How? Well, Pancho later said that he stole a horse to track down a man who had attacked his sister, found the man, killed the man, and then fled into the hills and became a bandit in order to escape the authorities.
0: Well, that sounds like a perfectly justifiable reason to steal a horse.
2: It does, except this whole story is probably bullshit. Oh, damn it! (laughs) Yeah, he was probably just taken in by the local bandit gang while he was about 16 years old. So... Fair enough. Yeah, these these gangs, these these bandit gangs, they reminded me a lot of, you know, like West Side Story. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But with more singing.
3: (laughs) More singing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> all the singing. Yeah, no, more just okay. like, n- not really at all. But kind of how these gangs take in the young boys, you know, as mm-hmm. new recruits. Kind of take them in as a mm-hmm. family, you know. Uh, and then the next thing you know, you're part of the gang. You're their, you're their surf. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it reminded me of. And uh, Anyway, so Poncho's bandit career, it went not well at all. He tried oh. to steal some mules, got caught and uh, was sentenced to death.
0: <laughs> oh shit.
2: Yeah, and he was killed and that's the end of our story.
4: <laughs> oh god, no. No, okay, no, well,
2: no. Thank right, thankfully. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah, <laughs> the rest
2: of his story is post-life. Okay. Mm. No, instead of Zom- killing him,
0: bo via, I don't know. <laughs> you're right.
2: Instead of killing the, killing him, the authorities basically just said, uh, we're going to force you to join the Mexican Federal Army, because that's worse than death at this time. And, oh, uh, shit. Yeah, it wasn't a great position to be in. And Pancho hated it. So he was in the army for okay. a few months. But after a while, he decided, I'm done with this. So he did the only, the only justifiable thing. He killed uh, an officer in the army, stole the horse... Uh. And deserted to the state of Chihuahua. <clears throat> yes. Chihuahua. Yep. Chihuahua is a state, uh, a province in North Mexico.
0: All right. I'm just imagining a giant dog face on a yeah, map. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay.
2: Yeah. So now he's in Chihuahua. The, the state of Chihuahua, not the dog. He's not
0: eh. in the dog. Got it. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. good.
2: And it was about this time that people started calling him Francisco Pancho Villa. Uh, because, oh, yeah, that's not his birth name, but we just what? skipped <laughs> over that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, the, the best thing about this is that his friends started calling him La Cucaracha. Which means the cockroach. <laughs> okay. And I looked this up. Do you know you know the song La Cucu- La Cucaracha, right? No. Oh, you don't? La Cucaracha. Not... La Cucaracha. Oh, okay. I okay. don't know the rest of the song. But apparently it's about cockroaches dancing. Which
0: that is amazing. Is yes. <laughs> I hate cockroaches. Yeah, so uh, his name um, is the cockroach sitting in the corner of my room just Side Just flipped you off.
2: Suitcase.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not you. It's me.
2: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so his name. Right. His nickname is Laku Cucaracha, which oh,
3: okay. it's great. Yeah. Okay, anyway,
2: wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, uh-huh. wait. Wait, uh, What okay. is his
2: real name? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't write it down. I'm not. Are you kidding can- me? You can't <laughs> trust me with details
0: like that. Oh God! Can we look it up? Can you look yeah, it up real quick? All right.
2: I, I'm looking it up.
0: I want to know Pancho Villa's real name. Um, I want to know.
2: Oh wow! Okay, Jose Dorotio Arango Arumbala. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: great pronunciation.
3: Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yep, I am pronouncing all right, all right. it in its native Slav. Is that is that who we're talking about? I don't know. I
0: think so. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Let's carry on. <laughs> so let's let's talk
2: about the context real quick because it's actually super important and critical to this whole story. No so, shit. Yeah, <laughs> so it's the early 1900s, and Pancho is in his late 30s. And thieving things all around northern Mexico because he's a bandit and kind of on the run right. from uh,
1: authorities because he quit the uh, quit the army, right? Yeah, right. But then Pancho would meet somebody who would change his life forever. Uh oh. Now, are you reading the script? Don't read the script. No. All
0: no, right. I'm not reading it. I'm, I'm not reading. It.
2: So, who's someone that changed your life? I want an op uh, an occupation, not an actual name. Like, not a... What? Oh, okay. Yeah, like, was it a professor? Was it uh, an ice cream seller? <laughs> that can't be the.
0: How about a teacher?
2: How about something scummier than that? A politician! Oh,
0: uh, oh so he met a politician yeah, as a, a bandit.
2: As a bandit, <laughs> yes. Uh. Which is a recipe for gingerbread. So. <laughs> So, this politician is actually a rich guy, and also a presidential candidate, and his name is Francisco Madero. Uh... Alright. But there's a problem with this whole election thing in Mexico... 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 Mexico! Can you pronounce the word? Yes. <laughs> okay. So this whole election thing is a problem because, oh my god, Aaron, do you know what time it is?
4: No! Well, it's time for the Mexican Revolution!
2: Ah! (laughs) Are you gonna beep it? Please beep it, that was good. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: gonna beep it. Perfect. (laughs) Alright. Your neighbors are probably like, every Tuesday, there's a bunch of screaming coming from that house. It's gotta be haunted!
2: Yes. And not even not even scary screaming, just like I don't know, like (laughs) swallowed a Lego screaming. (laughs) Oh, that's a good idea. I should do that later.
0: Okay, alright, I know you're in your living room. I'm I'm picturing you facing the window.
2: I am
3: (laughs) just screaming (laughs) (laughs) walking by.
2: The mailman just, like, shakes his head as he walks past. <laughs> <laughs> just another victim. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, so Mexican Revolution. Teach me some things, because I know next to nothing.
2: Well, that's the thing, is most people don't know anything about the Mexican Revolution, because it tends to be overshadowed by this this uh, little thing you may have heard of called the
4: First World War.
2: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it was all happening at the same time. But for those of you and us who don't know, here's the very short story. So you've got this general in charge of all of Mexico. His name is General Diaz, and he's been ruling for, like, 35 years,
0: and, um... That's a long time.
2: Yeah, it is, and, you know, this is a tale as old as time, right? He's a military general who's seized the government, he's been ruling for 35 years, and his government was kind of just a disaster for the middle and the lower classes. And it really only benefits the government and the ruling class. Oh, and also foreign nations, because he's basically... Uh,
0: everybody... Everybody but the people. Okay.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So the yeah. Mexican people are kind of pissed off after, you know, 35 years of this. So oh, yeah now this guy that Pancho Villa just met, Francisco Madero. Well, Madero does the unthinkable in the 1910 Mexican elections and actually runs against Diaz, which was kind of like a big no-no because you're challenging the corrupt government. And up to this point, elections were just a scam. Like, yeah, it's Diaz and nobody else or just other jokesters. And, um, but Madero's like, enough he gets, is like, enough. 95% of the vote, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 100% people support. Yeah. No, Madero's like, yeah. enough is enough. It's time to get tough. And I'm going to run against the president. Yeah. And it, it goes wow. about as, as, as well as expected. President Diaz uh, immediately imprisons Francisco Madero. Um,
3: Ah,
0: good move. Yeah, that's a great call.
2: (laughs) Just proves you're corrupt. So one thing leads to another, and uh, you can see where this is going. Revolution, right? Yes. And I don't need to go into the details because it's understandable. Uh, What what the problem is, is that what starts as a revolution turns into a ten-year-long civil war... That results Jesus. in the deaths of several million Mexicans on, on all sides. And there are so many wow. factions in this revolution. It's it's just a disaster in so many ways. And we're going to get into this. Uh, but anyway, for, for right now, it's 1910. And Pancho is pulled into this whole revolution thing because he's told, Hey, you can still be a bandit, but just join the revolution and steal from the federal army and the rich ruling class instead.
0: That sounds like a deal. Yeah,
2: so Pancho thinks the same thing, and he does that. He joins the anti-reelectionist side of the revolution, uh, revolution as basically a violent bandit. And, mm. and that is where we will leave him for now.
0: Okay, I can see where this whole, like, two sides of the story thing comes in.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's more than two sides because... This revolution turns into, you know, it's so complicated. We Americans think, ah, revolution. We have the British and we have the Americans. No, this is like we have the president and then we have foreign nations and then we have 1,700 different Mexican people's factions. It's just, ah, it's a nightmare. But we'll get into it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So just, just... Couple of things. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, we kind of glossed over several million Mexicans, yeah, dying in this. That's horrific. All for one,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and for two, is Diaz as big of a prick as you're making him sound to be? Because he sounds like a huge prick.
2: I I didn't look much into his life. I think we should cover okay. cover him in another show. I know that during this time, the Mexican people actual, just totally hated him. Um, and spoiler alert, he is actually eventually dethroned and flees to France because again, he was working with all these foreign nations rather than his own people. So I don't, I don't know. And it's hard to make the call, but it sounds like he's kind of in it for himself. Uh, but again, I, I don't know. Um, but I want to hit back on what you said. Uh, yes, several million Mexican people died in this entire revolution, and it's it's horrible because during this time we had a World War One happening, and B also the Spanish flu was going around and killing like just as many people as <laughs> the fighting of World War One actually did. So right, with right. those two horrific death tolls on humanity. Uh, a revolution with a couple million dead is is gonna inevitably be glossed over, which is so unfortunate, because I knew nothing about the Mexican Revolution, and it's super important to the region today, obviously. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's...
0: It's a good thing we're talking about it! Yeah, I love getting into the new stuff, the stuff we we, we actually both don't know. Because yeah. I like learning. And... Uh, Anyway, I'm happy with this. Alright. So, how do you feel? You you want to take a break or you want to go into Matthew Hopkins' adult life? Let's
1: get into Matthew Hopkins' adult life.
0: Alright. Alright.
1: Alright, my darlings. Here we are. Matthew Hopkins' adult life. Jeez.
0: And when we left Matthew Hopkins, we were learning about what kind of world Little Hoppy was growing up in. (laughs) (laughs) Little Uh, Hoppy. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. We also learned about the Oh, by the way, I know I mentioned this maybe on an episode a year ago. Mm-hmm. But you remember, you remember that thing about mice babies? Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: One yes. Thing. Wait, I yes, think I do. That When they're little, they're so small they can't walk so they hop.
2: Oh, I was thinking about something else. Yeah, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah,
0: they're called hoppers. It's oh. adorable. <laughs> oh. <laughs> kind of like toddlers, but cuter. Yeah. Good thing absolutely. toddlers don't hop. <laughs> Kish. No. All right. So, we also learned a little bit about the Puritans and the mm. Anglicans and the Roman Catholic Church and their mm. differences and all that good stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and we also learned that witches were definitely real. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, now, Matthew Hopkins, at some point in his life, decides that his job is going to be that of a witch hunter. Oh, God. All right. Which just uh, you just make that decision. One day you wake up, you're like, "Shit, there's too many witches. Gotta get them." <laughs> yeah, what what causes you to do that? Uh, well, Matthew Hopkins had very complicated motivations. Okay. Going after the witches. Well, then, the please go uh, on. I want to hear about this. A witch killed his father. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. So as we as as we have established. Uh, witch hunting is not unprecedented as a career these days. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a long history of witch hunting in England in particular that's pretty stunning.
2: Oh, God, really? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, there was quite a large crew of people wanting to do something about the witch problem what? Uh, populated by your classic burn-the-witch mob types as sure. well as some skeptics, scientists... And doctors.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: So okay. for
0: all intents and purposes, the way these people are treating it is that it's a real problem. There are mm. witches out there and we've got to do something.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um <clears throat> and one of these men was William Harvey. Okay. Sure. And he was an important physician and also a firm witch bullshit non believer. Oh, all right. So he thought he thought, well, we'll get to it. Okay. <clears throat> So, he did his own investigations, mm-hmm. uh, this William Harvey guy, not Matthew Hopkins, including one I discovered that's worth relaying just because it's fucking crazy. <laughs> okay. So, William Harvey was told to investigate a squadron of witches that had landed in Lancashire, what? to which he responded, but of course! Oh, so. alright. <laughs> <laughs> so, he goes out there and disguises himself as a wizard, and approaches oh. one of these women... <laughs> Yeah, and he approaches one of these women who is suspected of being a witch and says, Hello, I'm a wizard, and I'm looking to learn some shit about the craft. What do you know about familiars? Oh, Now, familiars, let's talk about those, okay? Familiars are basically possessed animal servants that witches have around. Mm. Kind of like Bill Clinton, but usually a little furrier. Oh, sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, so, like, okay, hey, like, perhaps you've got a possessed toad, alright? Sure. Um, like, Hoppy. like this witchy woman here, that, uh, William Harvey's talking to. Hmm. So, the moment William Harvey asks this woman if she's got a familiar, she summons a toad from within the house, oh. and sets <laughs> a saucer of milk on the ground for it to drink! Oh. Toad hops up, drinks up the milk. Have you ever seen a toad drink? I can't say (laughs) I've ever seen a toad drink. I mean, do they just lean in to the water and slurp away? What, yeah. Do they bend their heads enough to reach the liquid? Do they slap it up with their tongues? (laughs) (laughs) I think they,
2: I think it would have to jump into the bowl and submerge like a little pond. And then you just see the milk pond lower and lower uh, until there's just a... A happy frog or a toad sitting in the bottom of it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I've never thought about a toad drinking until now. <laughs> Have oh, you? <laughs> Nobody I thinks mean, about these things.
2: Well, I do. But that's a different
0: story. Alright, alright. <clears throat> anyway, so, whatever. It's a miracle of magic that this woman has trained her toad to drink milk. Mm. So, William Harvey's just watching this toad drink up the milk and he's just like, Fuck, I need a beer. <laughs> So the witch goes into the house to fetch said beer, Mm -hmm. and holds your applause, (laughs) at which point, William Harvey leaps up, seizes the magical toad, fucking kills it, and then dissects it before the woman comes back! Holy cow! (laughs) This guy is a wizard! (laughs) So in the process... He determines that this is an ordinary toad and there's nothing supernatural about it. That thing just. Stayed, that thing. thing just drank a <laughs> bowl <ball>
2: of milk. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so the woman comes back with William's beverage, only to find her adopted toad's son laid out oh. and pinned open like he's getting a fucking kidney transplant. Oh. And she's not happy, obviously, and right. starts freaking out. Like one does when one's pet has been reorganized on one's front lawn like a fucking science project. <laughs> but William Harvey spins the fuck around and says, Look, I'm sorry it had to be this way, but I'm actually the king's physician. Oh, shit. Everyone thinks you're a witch, and I'm here trying to prove you're not. If I hadn't dissected this toad, they might have used it as against you as evidence. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But that's, hang on, that's the batshit world we're in right now. Sure. Okay? You get logic like this, okay? Here's some syllogisms for you. Alright. If All right. Toad appears to be supernatural in any way slash can drink milk, then <laughs> hang woman. Sure. If woman owns Toad that can drink milk, then hang woman. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> if Toad appears to have normal physiology, then do not hang woman. Yes. If Toad must die to prove woman innocent, kill
4: Toad!
0: <laughs> Makes sense That's to right. me. That's right. If William Harvey hadn't have murdered that Toad, that woman might have been burned at the stake.
2: Logic like that can only be found in the government.
0: That's right. <laughs> so, so it may be that a Toad had to die to save an innocent human life, and it mm. may seem brutal what William Harvey did to this poor animal... But because he did this, he ended up not only proving that this woman, but three others completely were completely innocent of the crime of being actual witches. Interesting. He saved their lives, mm-hmm. uh, and indeed likely saved the lives of many women after this incident, because after this, there was a legal requirement for a woman to be proven indisputably that she was an actual magic-casting sorceress before the mob could burn her. Oh, well, that's that's probably a good thing. Um, yeah, so, the story's crazy, but it's now, positive would, overall.
2: Yeah, what was the toad's name? Because I want to uh, start, uh, like, a, a Harambe movement here. Uh, <laughs> for this poor milk-drinking toad. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I have no idea. I don't think it had a name, as far as I know. I mean, Justin. it definitely had a name. Justin. <laughs> I think that's a toad's name. It's gotta be Justin.
2: Right, just It's well, Justin rip Justin the milk drinking toad
0: um yeah so here here's the other thing is that uh uh oh, hold on I just had to make sure I was still recording <laughs> um here here's the other thing is is that they f- the familiars usually did have names sure and they were they were really really bizarre and we're about to get right into it all right oh dear all right all right, so anyway, we just finished the story of William Harvey, but we're talking about Matthew Hopkins, mm-hmm. who at this point is kind of a C-lister in the world of witch hunting. I mean, he's just beginning his his new career in witch hunting. mm
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, And he doesn't like rules, all right? So he's he's the kind of guy who goes in and smashes things up a bit and then lets everyone else sort out the complicated stuff. Oh. Ah. Um, He's not interested in whether or not witchcraft and magic are real, because he solved that problem a long time ago.
3: It's (laughs) real. Yeah, obviously.
0: And he's just interested in stopping the problem and combating magic. Mm. Right? Uh, He was a true believer and an arm of justice, according to him. Right? Hmm. So this is the Darth Vader of the witch hunting world. He's not the emperor, but he's the mascot for sure. And that's why he adopted the pretty terrifying name of Witchfinder General. Uh, Yeah, And now he's headed the massive distance of 10 miles, Mm. uh, which, haha, it's only 10 miles. He goes away to this town called Manningtree to begin his career. Mm -hmm. Now, let us go to his book and see what he has to say about his first run-in with witches. Alright, yeah. So his book is available online for free, translated, not translated, but transcribed, it still has all the extra E's and fake words that they used back then. Mm-hmm. Still um, do. But one of, one of the things you need to know is that Hopkins refers to himself in the third person.
2: <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs> right. So he doesn't say, I went here. He says, the discoverer.
2: It sounds like this is a, he might be a little full of himself. Just a bit. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, okay. We'll okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, So here's a, here's a quote, and I'm going to read it I'm going to read a little bit in, in an accent But it's Please. quite a long quote So I will, I will go back mm-hmm. To my regular voice After a little while <clears throat> yeah. So here we go, <clears throat> Matthew Hopkins talking about himself <clears throat> The discoverer never Traveled far for it, but In March 1644 He had some seven or eight Of that horrible sect of witches Living in the town Where he lived, a town in Essex called Manning tree with divers other adjacent witches of other towns who every six weeks in the night being always on the friday night had their meeting close by his house and had their several solemn sacrifices there offered to the devil all right so here's here's a summary of what i just read all right yeah Matthew Hopkins went went to Manningtree, and every Friday night he heard witches outside of his house (laughs) offering sacrifices to the devil Mm -hmm. um, and also summoning what were called imps, all right? Oh, dear. So, one of which this discoverer had speaking to, um, uh, gosh, the, the emphasis is all off on this. Mm-hmm. So, one of these witches, this discoverer heard speaking, was speaking to her imps one night. Mm. And she told her imps to go to another witch, mm-hmm. who was thereupon, this is still a quote, by the way, who was thereupon, and I'm, well, maybe I just need to make this plain English. Uh, <laughs> what do you think?
2: I think you're a witch. <laughs> and that's why it's so hard for you to read this. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well it's it's hard to read because it's got fake words in it. Oh. Alright, so <laughs> like, like witch. Go is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like go is spelled with an extra E? Oh. Uh, it's go uh-huh. and touner. You know, like I think you're R&D. good. G- give it another give it another college try. Alright, okay, okay. So she bid her imp to go to the other witch, who was sure. thereupon apprehended and searched by hmm. women who had for many years known the devil's mark. Mm. And this is where it gets really, really fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these women, we'll get talk about them later, but they're searching her for the devil's mark, which is basically an extra nipple, all right? <laughs> and oh. all you right. use this extra nipple to feed your imps' blood. Of course. <laughs> it's all, a- right. <laughs> all right.
2: All right. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> okay, that's, so they have this a is blood what you read <laughs> when you
0: read about, this is what you read when you read about witchcraft, okay? A blood nipple about... <laughs>
2: for imps. <laughs> Every Friday night, this sounds like
0: college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alright. Alright, so, <clears throat> she was, this woman was apprehended and searched by um, women who knew what the devil's mark looked like, mm-hmm. and quote... Found her to have three teats about her, which honest women have not. <laughs>
2: mm. oh, obviously. <laughs>
0: yeah. Where
2: I want to know where is it though. Never mind. Well, uh, it, this is a kid show. It, we can't do that.
0: Well, it it could be basically anywhere. Um,
2: oh, oh thus the search? I got
0: it. Yeah. So if you have like a mole or what something, what the hell? They're probably gonna call that that. All right. Oh God. All right. So uh, uh, this continued quote, <clears throat> I'm just going to get through this. All right. So mm-hmm. upon command from the justice, which is of course, uh, which is of course the, not the witch finder, but the, uh, local court player. of assizes <laughs> or whatever. Uh-huh. Right. Um, they were to keep her from sleep two or three nights expecting in that time to see her familiars. Huh. Um, so yeah, sleep deprivation. This is nice. All right. Um, on the fourth night she called in by their several names so mm. she calls the familiars and the imps. Mhm. And told them what shapes a quarter of an hour before they came in. Uh, there being 10 of us in the room. So she's telling them what they look like before they come, all right? Yeah. But first she called Holt. Uh, yeah. who came in like a white kitling, which I think is a kit. Sure. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, then she called then she called Jarmara who came in like a fat spaniel without any legs at all. What? <laughs> That's right. No legs. Is it rolling? Uh, I guess. You can go find a picture of it. There's a woodcut illustration. It's just this <laughs> dog torso.
4: Uh-huh. Like, uh,
0: She said she kept him fat because... Uh, for she clapped her hand on her belly and said he sucked good blood from her body. Oh, dear. Alright, and this is- Just-just hold on to your ass, okay? Oh, I, oh, I always am. <laughs> okay, so- That's where my third nipple is. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so the third one was Vinegar Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who oh. was like a long, long-legged greyhound with a head like an ox. Oh, God. A long tail and broad eyes. Uh, who when this discoverer spoke to And bade him go to the place provided for him by uh, For him and his angels So he's the discoverer uh, Which is Matthew Hopkins mm-hmm. Casting out the demon Yeah uh, Immediately this creature transformed himself Into the shape of a child of four years old oh. Without a head Oh, what? It gave a half dozen turns about the house And then ran out the door Okay
2: I'm on board. So
0: <laughs> a headless four-year-old ran around the house a dozen times and then left. Yeah. <laughs> after transforming from a greyhound that had the head of an ox! Aye, aye, aye. Okay. Alright, and then the fourth... Here's the fourth one, alright? Mm-hmm. This is Sack and Sugar. That's its name. Which was just... Just a black rabbit. Okay, so we're... <laughs> we're, we're why... Winding down a little bit, <laughs> right?
3: Um, I mean,
2: sack and sugar th- is what I was called in in college, so <laughs> yeah. that that rings
0: home. Okay, so the uh, fifth one was news, newest. I don't know how to pronounce that. Newes, mm. newes, nieves. Anyway, looked like a polecat. Um, all of these vanished away in a little time. Immediately after this, the witch confessed several other witches from whom she had her imps hmm. and named two divers women. Uh, which is just the old way of saying diverse, diverse women, uh, where their marks were, the number of their marks and imps, imps and names, Elemanzer, Pywacket, Peck in the Crown, Grizzle, Greedy Gut, etc.
3: Um, <laughs> names,
0: and and including names which no mortal could invent. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and of course, these women were also searched, and their marks were found. The same number. And in the same place. Oh. And the confessions from them of the same imps. So they're all hanging out with these imps.
2: This is the um, weirdest ap- adaptation of Snow White that I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's pretty weird. Um, mm. So anyway, uh, still from the book. Uh, so, let's see. So they're basically flipping on each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they start going through all of the... Um, the things they've done together. The horrible, awful, witchcrafty things. Uh, and so, basically, they're convicted of witchcraft. Good. Uh, 25 of them, actually. Oh, wow. No, I'm just kidding. The The book is written so poorly. It's only four. Oh. So, but they were brought 25 miles to be hanged. Oh, all right. Uh, back to, actually, the discoverer's town. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so. I thought it was only 10
2: miles away.
0: Uh, Did they take the long route? Well, Uh, they must have taken the scenic route. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just reading from the book, (laughs) all right? All right. right, So he said it was 25 miles. Sure. um, And I I don't know if he just wasn't able to estimate the distance between his hometown and this town. I don't know. Hmm. Mhm. Um anyway, so they use these women to try to get them to flip on other people. This is where the whole witch hunt thing comes from, okay? Sure. All right. So <clears throat> here's the thing. This is not an isolated incident, all right? Uh, of course. And not. R- so right out of the gate though, Matthew Hopkins is just getting women hanged. Oh god. All right. And I'm not saying they didn't summon these demons, all right? That's <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. They might have summoned the demons, of okay? course. Uh yeah, it's I mean, of course, the reasonable position is just to assume that there are no demons. Right? right. But this is a world completely haunted by the belief that demons and magic and whatnot are all real. Remember, sure. this is the Puritan world. For all mm. intents and purposes, everyone believes it. So it is basically real. Hmm. Um, so, okay, like, if you believed in the Illuminati, and sure. many people do, yeah. I don't, but many people do, uh, when something big happens in the world, if you believe in the Illuminati, you first wonder to yourself... What might the Illuminati have to do with this? Mm-hmm. And then you go looking, right, for places the Illuminati might have been involved. Yeah. Uh, You're primed to look for the shadowy, manipulative digits of a massive power beyond your own, shifting things about on the chessboard of society. And so when something moves that simply looks like it's the Illuminati, you might more easily conclude that the Illuminati is really there and is really pulling all the strings. Hmm. And every time something happens that looks vaguely like it was the work of your chosen dark force controlling the planet, your little story grows. Mm-hmm. But say uh, say you live in a world where it's not just a couple people believe in the Illuminati. Say everyone believes in the Illuminati conspiracy theory. Sure,
2: so Oklahoma. Yeah,
0: yeah so Oklahoma. Say you mm. live in Oklahoma. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, then the world would operate quite differently, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean... Can you think of any other massive evil conspiracy beliefs out there today? Like, are there any that are growing now? Like, the, f- the one I wrote down was Flat Earth. Right. That seems to have right. gotten a lot of attention in the last year or so. Yeah, and Flat Earth is a great example. Alright, try for one second. Just mm-hmm. actually try to do this, alright? And maybe uh, the trying. listeners can get involved with this too. Actually sit there for like ten seconds and try to believe that the Earth is flat. You Got might find it. that it's impossible, but if you're like me, it's actually not hard to be- make yourself believe that the Earth is flat for just a second, just to try <laughs> it on for size.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it's sort of like it's sort of like a um, like a creation myth, right? If you believe a certain creation myth about like how the world came to be, yeah, like the Garden of Eden or whatever. Well, now you have a great story for like why things are the way they are, right? It may not be true, but also if everyone believes it, it might as it's close, right? Yeah. Um, so now try, since we did the flatter thing, try to believe that there's a Lord of Darkness on planet Earth trying to destroy you and your loved ones. Easy. Yeah. And every now and then, some people decide that they want to join up with this Lord of Darkness, and then they do it! Mm -hmm. They start causing havoc in your town and your country using curses and possession and secret. They're hiding in every corner, yet are nowhere to be found. You believe Mm -hmm. that they are all around you, and yet you've never met one. Hmm. Now try to really believe that in the world you live in. An evil, corrupted place where the servants of darkness stalk in the night waiting to strike.
3: Hmm.
0: Now listen to me when I say this, because it's very serious. I'm going into Dan Carlin mode. James, listeners, I have grave news. Oh, God. That world of darkness ruled by an evil,
1: massive thing that haunts the darkness...
0: You are in that world. Oh jeez. Yeah. And in this world the witches not only exist but they're everywhere. Mm. They're all around you. Listen, they gather at night when no one stirs and plots a way to add agony to your life, maybe even kill you. Why? Because they hate you. Mm. In your town right now, there are witches. Your neighbors and friends may look just like you and me, but so do the witches. Oh God! There's a rumor about that shy, odd girl who tamed that rat, disappearing for days at a time. Another is going around about that librarian who has that secret book that he lets no one read. The witch hunter has told you about the evil eye. If a witch is to look at you, they are cursing you. And you have caught this girl looking at you before, just as you caught the librarian hurrying away from you in the street after a brief and nervous eye contact on a snowy morning. Your worry increases, and one night you hear something stirring outside. Before you would have just thought it was a cow settling in for bed, of but course. now, what could it be? What could be out there in that darkness? Perhaps a witch. Huh. So, yeah. You're living in a world, okay, if you're a Puritan in the mm-hmm. 1600s, where you're primed to look for witches. And the people who have been convicted of being witches all exhibit certain behaviors. And these behaviors have been recorded by our, like people like our, our guy, uh, Matthew Hopkins, right? Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, she looked at me and then something happened and it was bad. So from now on, witches, when you, they're looking at you, you know they're a witch. So every, every time you catch somebody staring at you, they might be cursing you, hmm. all right? Oh, the last witch we got was really good friends with this, with this cat, well, we hanged her, and she had a cat, you know, like, she... So we gotta look for people who stare at people who also have cats, right? hmm You see how this is expanding? Yes. All
2: right. Well, and I want to say can... that this is... This reminds me about earlier episodes we covered with... Uh, I mean, when times are tough, there has to be a scapegoat, whether that be the Jews or the Armenians... Or, hey, mm-hmm. maybe those odd women who are living by themselves and not living by the social norms of the day. It, sure. It. Yeah. And I know there have been a, a lot of recent studies on these so-called witches, whether it's Salem or England and whatnot. And a lot of times they were, they were women who, instead of, you know, being the good Christian girl who got married and had a family and stayed at home, these women often... He, he lived outside of the town alone. They didn't really interact with with the normal people. They didn't adhere to the cultural norms of the day. Uh right. So they were just easy targets. Um, yep. Yeah.
0: We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, absolutely. But for now, let's continue with our story. Let's try to get into the headspace of what it right, means right. to be a to be on a witch hunt. Right. Yeah. Um. So say um, there's another girl the next house over uh, who begins oversleeping every day. Mm. Uh, No cause is known, but her complexion has grown paler. Is she going out late at night to contact this evil dark lord? Hmm. She spends a lot of time with her other girlfriends. They go off into the woods together to the old willow, actually. That's the very same willow where that shady widower goes to mourn his deceased wife. Perhaps he's a wizard. Maybe they're meeting there. So you're start you're you're thinking about witches a lot right now, okay? And you've got some suspects on your list. But you're not going to say anything because, you know, you don't know. You don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But you can't wait to talk about it. So one night you have a couple beers with your neighbor or something, and you timidly mention your concern about your neighbor and trusted friend at the end of the conversation hmm. uh, about the state of the town. You're like, hey, so the harvest may have been bad this year, but that seems like the least of our problems of late. Hmm you invite them to ask the question so the neighbor wonders what you're talking about so you mentioned that perhaps several girls in the town have been behaving strangely right mhm you ask your neighbor if he's noticed anything either you know i saw her with that that rat the other day who plays with a rat what the hell is that mm-hmm. you know yeah i saw that that was weird right but your neighbor being a reasonable fellow says he actually hasn't seen anything um but he's 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 unable to pass up the salaciousness of this story because this is some this is some good interesting stuff you know yeah. you're you're a peasant in the 1600s or whatever yeah. somebody says you know the Lord of Darkness himself is invading our town right mm-hmm. so as the neighbor you've got to ask for more of course and then you telling the story and we've all done this before you start adding some details to what you saw things you're not sure you saw but think you might have seen right. Yeah. Well, the, and, and maybe... The, go ahead. This just reminds
2: me of, like, telling ghost stories. Everyone knows yeah. it's not real, but on a camping trip late at night, you're bored. And you want, you want to put yourself into this world where, you know, things are terrifying because of spiritual reasons. Um, yeah. And I can see a bunch of bored, poor peasants at the tavern at night eating this shit up.
0: Yeah. Well... Fuck, I'd be there with them I'd be like tell me more you know like, <laughs> I'm not I don't think anybody's invulnerable to this kind of shit mm-hmm. but, but anyway so like we've all done this we tell stories and we add little details every time we tell it or we mm. we condense it a little bit sure like you know and then you forget stuff so you fill your brain fills in the blanks right but mm-hmm. every time this story is passed along to the next person it changes a little bit and probably for the worse. Because, you know, somebody tells you an interesting story, you don't go and take interesting bits out, but you are more likely to add interesting bits in, right? Right. So, <clears throat> you've been telling this story, this story's been going around for about a week, right, in your town, okay? You keep your eye on those strange girls and that odd widower, and you're looking for any sign of guilt, right? Oh, God, yeah. But your proof comes one day, when a citizen has an accident that breaks his arm. Right? And say he, like, got stuck in the wagon wheel or something like that, right? Right. But, of course, no wagon could have possibly broken that man's arm, not in the way described, not without help. And it just so happens that the girls had been nearby at the time of the accident. And that strange widower was in the church next door muttering to himself, he was seen there alone by several people. Mm. And in the panic, as everyone's going, like, what happened to this guy's arm? You know, he's on the floor screaming or whatever. Yeah. In the panic, someone says, "It all happened because that girl was standing there watching me." And then the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. All right. And then another adds, "The widower was in the church. He was muttering to himself. Yeah. He was praying." Says one. But who was he praying to? Demands another. <laughs> yep. The widower is brought out for uh, brought out to answer for himself. Who were you praying to in that church? Someone demands. But before he can answer, someone answers for him. I bet he was praying to Beelzebub himself. Mm. Yeah, so another voice screeches, I knew it. Soon the whole town is screaming for answers, right? Hasn't been able to say anything. There's no chance to speak up for himself or defend himself. You know, he could say anything. I was praying for the soul of my wife, he might say, to which he'll hear, your wife's soul isn't worth praying to. Right. He might say, I was praying that God would send a witch hunter to take away our witches, to which he'll hear, you better watch your back if God says yes. <laughs> right? Mm. So he's already dead. Mm-hmm. It's, it's done, right? And the commotion begins, the arguing, the bickering. It seems as if the whole town has p- been possessed by this spirit of rage. And finally someone says, hang on, the witches and that wizard are making us fight. They've been distracting us. Oh, God. By then, it's too late. The innocent girls are tried, first by an analysis of their bodies for oddities that might point to pacts with the devil. It's discovered that one girl has a dark patch of skin on her back, indicating contact with a demon. Mm. It is found that the widower has a crucifix in his home, but the person who found it says it was hanging off kilter, which of course is translated to have been hanging upside down. Of course. One of the girls becomes angry at the trial and raises her voice, which of course indicates guilt. Mm Mm-hmm. And the odd girl who tamed the rat implies that she made friends with the rat, which implies that she spoke with it. Oh, jeez. Meanwhile, during the trial, an unattended house catches fire because a candle was left burning in the hubbub. After the Mm. fire's put out, a confession is demanded of the girls for burning down the house. They claim their innocence but are unable to prove it. Of course. So they're hanged, and the widower is burned at the stake, and everyone goes back to normal, at least for a while. And that's how these things go. That's what a witch hunt looks like.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. So, I mean, that was entirely fabricated, but that's, that's, well, it's not entirely fabricated because it follows the pattern, right? Right. um, As you're reading these stories about witch hunts and things like that, it just starts with people looking for indicators um, of guilt, having presumed guilt. Yeah. Right? Anything can be used against you. You got a pet rat, you're a fucking witch, right? (laughs) Right. You know, like...
2: (laughs) Which is bad because I've had pet rats. Yeah, you're a witch. <laughs> well, we knew that already. Yeah.
0: All right, so here's but yeah, the thing. you Is need you world... need a
2: scapegoat for your your little shitty life and need yep. <laughs> someone to blame. Well, and uh, the, it builds community. <laughs> By all <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate builds community. <laughs> so if you got the whole town together like <laughs> trying to burn people well, you're, you're going to feel closer to the guy next to you as you lower that torch into the hay. It's, it's kind of beautiful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, it is true. You exclusion, know. or not exclusion, but expulsion or elimination of elements of a, of a group tends to bring the elements that survived closer together. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, have you ever had a friend group where someone was expelled from it and the friend group got a little bit closer?
2: Well, I've noticed my friends get closer after they kick me out, but other than that, not really.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, really, it's it's true. It's true. So, anyway, so Matthew Hopkins is doing this. He's going into towns and finding situations like this. Yeah. And basically being like, eh, I can solve your problem, Hmm. you know? So the, these Puritans really do believe in the devil and demons and Satanism and all that stuff. It's very real to them. And they really think it's a big problem. And people like Matthew Hopkins and his compadre John Stern are there ready to accept payment to eliminate the problem.
1: Ah,
2: there it is.
0: And we're not exactly sure how it happened, but it seems that Hopkins, like I said, overheard some women talking about their meetings with Satan and Manning Tree. Hmm. Shortly thereafter, like I said, he had a list of twenty-three women in town who were believed to be witches. Right? So, yeah. You know that thing I said about three or four being hanged back then? Yes. So the list has grown uh, by twenty over the course of a year in this town. Yeah, there's twenty-three witches in this town.
2: Well, yeah. This um, is a this is convenient. This is a <laughs> this is an easy way to get rid of that that woman who one time didn't sell you that ox that you wanted <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well it, it's 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 partially that yeah and again we're gonna get to the we're gonna get to witchcraft as a as a whole and that stuff in a little bit sure but first of all let's talk about how you try a witch okay oh good okay well, so here we go
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna think yep. of someone in my life right now who I think is a witch and I'm gonna see if okay. he or she
0: uh, fits fits the bill all right That's good. All right. So Matthew Hopkins and his crew had several methods. Mm -hmm. But a big one that was common amongst witch hunters was known as pricking.
3: Hmm.
0: And one of the things that witch hunters looked for, like we talked about, was the devil's mark, which was usually something like a dark patch of skin. Sure. Uh, This, they claimed, was a sure sign of witchcraft. They also claimed that people with this mark would bleed and feel pain if pricked with a needle anywhere else on their body, but on the mark, they would not bleed and would not feel pain. Oh, come on, I know
2: where this is going.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We still have... So they used needles, but they also had specialty tools as witch hunters, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's worth noting that we still have several of these pricking tools today. Oh, good. Nearly all of them have wooden handles with two retractable needles. Ugh. Uh, and they work in various ways, but all of them can be used to make a person bleed in one spot and give the illusion of pricking on the devil's mark with no pain or blood drawn in another, Ugh. right? Okay. Two needles in the handle. One is dull, and the other is sharp. Mm. All you have to do is retract one, which is, you know, very, very basic shit. You know, you pricking somebody like, aha, blood, and then you go you know, with it a little bit, and you go to the yeah. devil's mark, and you have no blood, it's a blunt needle, mm.
1: right? Yeah. So, this is
0: how Hopkins built cases against witches. Um, yeah, so the 23 women that Hopkins brought in for trial on his first hunt, well, four died in prison. Okay, so, like, oh. they weren't all hanged. But the other 19 were convicted and hanged, all right? Uh huh. So, that's, that's 23 women, uh, and 23 little fees he gets to collect. Oh, jeez. Uh, Hopkins and Stern with their little gang of paid women uh, who performed the prickings so it was other women who they were like hey we need you to just like fake this basically um, mm. because it was indecent for them to be putting their hands all over some young woman some mm. witch or whatever um, so this this little crew of two guys and a group of women are traveling all over England making fucking bank just cleansing oh towns of witches,
3: Uh-huh.
0: which is just, it sounds to me like obviously preying on people's fears, like you roll into town, say you, ah, oh, detect a witch, rile mm-hmm. everyone up, produce an answer and a victim, let the poor peasant accused of this crime hang, and collect your money.
2: It's, yeah, and if, if you and your, your clergy friend or whatever, if you're like in fine garments, you arrive on horses, and you've got all sorts of mechanical devices for detecting witches no one's gonna question that especially if you're a peasant community with no education no view of the outside world you see this these people and you're like oh yeah they're important they know what
0: they're doing obviously they're right but right well but there's uh, also that do you remember that psychological experiment where there were like the switches with various levels of shock
2: oh yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah there was a guy in a lab coat who said, "I want you. You know, you're going to ask this guy in the other room some questions. You won't see him. Every time he gets a question wrong, you flip the first switch and then work your way up, and the mm-hmm. voltage will increase as you go. Your job is to continue flicking those switches, um, no matter what, no matter what you hear. And people, by and large, flip the switches like all the way up to a point where it was pretty clear that the voltage would kill the other person in the other room, and you could hear them screaming. Yeah, and." Very few people said I won't do it. Nobody said you're not a real doctor, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah. That, if this a, is a, this is, yeah. Go ahead.
2: If a person in authority tells you to do something, it's it's very hard to say no, <laughs> even yeah. if you believe it's wrong.
0: Yeah, exactly. You start looking for ways why where you might be wrong, right? Like, yeah, I'm not as cool as this guy hmm Well, and then especially if you,
2: if they get the whole town going and you're a peasant and you think, wait a minute, I don't think this is right. You're not going to go against authority and you're not going to go against all your friends and family of the town who seem to be going with it. You've got this peer pressure thing that adds to the
0: whole situation. It's just, ugh, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, it's pretty scary because th- this kind of shit happens today all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time and i'm not i'm not even talking about the one everyone's thinking about i mean just like in your church or at your school or at you know at your job like this yeah. happens yeah all the time so <clears throat> in one town alone matthew hopkins pulled in about 5 grand in today's american dollars jesus um and he went to from town to town for like 3 years and he would be there for a couple of days and pull in 5 grand right mhm Now, this shit did not escape the attention of Parliament, but they couldn't do much. Remember, it's the English Civil War. Right.
3: right. Yeah.
0: And, you know, (laughs) yeah, I'm not even going to make that joke. Okay, Uh, but there was one. There was one man who stood up to Matthew Hopkins' bullshit. All right. Uh, And his name was John Gall, and Mm -hmm. he was a Puritan cleric.
3: Hmm.
0: So about two years after Hopkins started working as a witch hunter, Gaul began preaching and writing against him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, two years sounds like a long time to wait, and it is, but remember, this is the 1600s, and it's not like you have instant access to information. Of course. Plus, Gaul was likely hearing rumors of witches and witch hunters all the time. Mm-hmm. But because Matthew Hopkins was so prolific, Gaul selected Hopkins as his chosen adversary. Sure. So, he writes a book basically outlining the bullshit tactics that Matthew Hopkins was using to get his convictions. Hmm. Uh, it was called Select Cases of Conscience Touching Witches and Witchcraft. Hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Gaul is a Puritan, and he does believe that witches exist. But he's also convinced that they're not really that big of a deal. Sure. Um His opinion is that, sure, they exist, but there's sort of a harmless little fringe of superstitious and silly people, and not a massive network of devil worshippers trying to destroy England.
2: It's kind of like trying to prove that, no, people who play Dungeons and Dragons aren't trying to destroy the United States. They do exist, they are out there, and they are scary as hell, but they're not (laughs) evil.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um... So one of the things that Gall attacked Hopkins for was his method of discovering just exactly who was a witch. Hmm. Hopkins, because Hopkins was regularly using sleep deprivation on those accused of magic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Often keeping them up, like, for days until they agreed to summon their familiars.
3: Oh, God. Which, you know,
0: it's not hard to produce an animal, like, to be honest. So, and Gall also got after, after, uh... Hopkins for the whole dull needle, sharp needle thing. Like, he figured mm. that shit out right there. Mm. Uh, but the thing, the big thing he went after was the stupidest thing at all, and it's one of the most you know, it's one of the most iconic parts of witch hunting, and that is the swimming test.
2: Oh, oh, I know this one. <laughs> this is yep, great trial stuff. Trial by water.
0: Yep. Uh, ducking, right? Yeah. Dunking, whatever. So anyway, suspected, this is how it works suspected witches were strapped to a chair Uh, this is how Hopkins did it there were many methods Um, suspected witches were strapped to a chair and thrown into a deep lake or pond the idea was that if these people were devil worshippers that would mean they would have renounced their baptism which would of course mean that their baptism would renounce them (laughs) so basically because you rejected the cleansing water of baptism, water would reject you (laughs) alright So if you float and you don't drown, you're a witch and can be burned or hanged or whatever. If you sink and drown, oh well, you were innocent. (laughs) Uh, At least your soul will go to heaven. But, James, I -hmm. would like to take an opportunity here. All right. To say that this is indeed a myth. uh, That you would always be allowed to drown if you sank. I I have heard this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've heard people say this all the time. Like, you know, you drown, you always drown. I believed it too until I read about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always a possibility, of course, because you were tied to a chair. <laughs> right. Um But it was much more common for those who sank, uh, to be rescued and acquitted, right? Hmm. So let's just make that clear. Mm-hmm. Plus, a person was not legally allowed to be subjected to this trial by water without their permission, hmm. right? So you, you had to say, yeah, I'll jump in the water, fine. Yeah. But I said, remember, I said legally, not <laughs> that people were never subjected to it without permission, legal or not, yes. uh-huh. right? So... <laughs> But it's still a pretty shitty test, all right? And it went on now uh, and again for about the first year until everybody realized it was fucking stupid and made it illegal. (laughs) Thank God. I know. Uh, So let's see here. Uh, I got a quote here from the book. Uh, Here we go. I'm going to read it in old-fashioned voice because uh, it's kind of short. I'll try to get the emphasis right. <clears throat> Observe these generation of witches. If they be at any time abused by being called whore, thief, etc., by any anywhere they live, they are the readiest to cry and wring their hands and shed tears in abundance and run with full and right sorrowful acclamations to some justice of the peace and with many tears make their complaints. But now... Behold their stupidity! Nature or the elements reflection from them. When they are accused of this horrible and damnable sin of witchcraft, they never alter or change their countenances, nor let one tear fall. This, by the way, swimming by able divines whom I reverence, is condemned for no way, and therefore of late hath and forever shall be left. So even Matthew Hopkins was like, I. We're not going to do the... We don't yeah. have to do the ducking because you accuse someone of witchcraft and they don't cry, they're a witch! <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> it's sort of like when somebody gets called out on Twitter or something. If they don't go, I deeply apologize for not understanding this sector of something. <laughs> and I will work to increase my ignorance. If they don't do that,
4: they're a witch! They yeah. get
0: so much shit thrown at them. So that's what these tears are. Oh. Um, but thankfully, Matthew Hopkins got rid of ducking Uh we're not doing that anymore all right so matthew hopkins made his career doing this and that's pretty shitty but get this james it still goes on today yeah Uh, and i'm not because there are actual witch hunts going on today and i'm not talking about twitter witch hunts i'm not talking about russia collusion or anything like that i'm talking about actual witch hunts right shit like real real witch hunts hmm so, like Saudi Arabia still actually convicts and beheads people for witchcraft and sorcery as oh, recently God. as 2012. Yeah, they'll oh. cut your head off if somebody says you're a witch. Oh. Uh, in India, women are often labeled witches as a way of punishing them, like we talked about, for some perceived wrongdoing. Mm. This often forces them to leave home, live alone, and sometimes actually frequently causes suicide. Oh, God. Uh, About 2,500 women were killed in India for witchcraft between 1995 and 2009. Jeez. Can you believe that? That's a big number. (laughs) That's over 2,000 women. Witches.
2: I mean, this is such a medieval topic. It's... uh, It's
0: unbelievable. (laughs) And
2: you don't hear about it much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We
0: also see witch hunts in sub-Saharan Africa... Uh, in 2008, 11 people were burned alive in Kenya for practicing witchcraft. Jesus. Uh, Amnesty International reported that nearly 1,000 people were abducted in Gambia, accused of witchcraft, and were forced to drink poison. What the hell? Yeah, in Papua New Guinea. 2013, four uh-huh. women were accused of witchcraft because they had a house made out of wood and were well-educated. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. They were all, they were all beheaded. Oh. And that's not even the worst that happened to these women, accused of being witches, but also the shit that happened to them is not the kind of shit I'm going to talk about on this show. Right. <laughs> um, and of course I'd be amiss if I didn't mention that ISIS has beheaded several people for witchcraft, including fucking street magicians!
4: <laughs> oh.
0: Illusionists! People Come doing card tricks! It's not even yeah. trying! <laughs> no, it's, it's not! Well,
2: And I can see with ISIS, you want to show, if you were an ISIS, you would want to show the world that you mean business and that you're powerful and that you're not just, you know, a bunch of angry little boys. So yeah, yeah, beheading people is going to send a message to the world that, okay, they do have some power. (laughs) So I can Mm -hmm. see why, Ugh, it's horrible, but I can see why they do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reality is though, that witch hunting is not a thing of the past. It no. still exists. Um, and as for the term witch hunt being used today as a metaphor, that seems about right. Um, mm-hmm. Because witch hunts do happen all the time outside of the vocabulary of magic and sorcery. Obviously, we can draw similarities between the Kulaks, which we mentioned on the Mao and Trotsky episodes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, that was a witch hunt if I ever saw one. But we can also <laughs> apply it today to keep ourselves in, from getting into witch hunts of our own. Because that's stupid. Yes. Uh and we don't want to be stupid people. <laughs> no.
3: Anyway,
0: that's where we're going to leave Matthew Hopkins. And when we come back, we'll be talking about his end end death. Wow. Okay. I know that was a lot, but honestly, that was that was good I got stuff. Pretty,
2: that was I got good to hear freaked too. Freaked out reading it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
4: well, so before we go on, break. I do too,
2: yeah. um, because I just realized, ah, uh, I I did well. The stake is burning in my backyard, and I, uh, I kind of feel bad. I want to tie that person down, or um, untie them and let them go free. Um, <laughs> shit. So, okay, I got to go. I'll be
1: right back. Your eyes. Imagine. A hunting cabin. Out in the woods. The snowy woods. All alone. Enter our protagonist, Simon the Hunter. Simon has been hunting mule deer all season long. He hasn't seen another human being in about three months. He's living in this cabin in the woods alone. And the cold winter is starting to get to him. He's losing his mind. One day, Simon awoke. Another day of hunting. Another day of being in the snowy wilderness alone. He pulled out his cereal. Has to start the morning the right way, you know. He pulled out a bowl. Dumped the cereal in the bowl. And then ate it. Dry. And that
0: is a true ghost story. Pancho Villa's adult life! Oh yes, welcome back everybody! <laughs>
3: uh,
0: when we left off, we were talking about Matthew Hopkins and the horrible, horrible thing that is witch hunting, and now mm. we're going to be getting into Pancho Villa's adult life.
2: Yeah. So when so. we last left our boy Poncho, seven years ago, it seems... Ah. Uh, he, no, Not. not actually, <laughs> I was referring to your... <laughs> To the episode,
0: I took way too long on that. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no, it was all good stuff. It's all good stuff. You don't have to apologize to me for that. For that other thing you did, I'm still waiting. Okay. now, when we last left our boy Pancho, he was a cockroach bandit who had just been convinced <laughs> to join the anti-president Diaz political movement slash revolution. Yeah, do you remember all that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. So Pancho does just that, and uh, he meets with immediate success. He captures some villas. Uh, he he captured a federal train. He defeated federal troops in several skirmishes and battles, and he liberated the town of San San Andrews. But here's the thing. Uh oh. While the revolution is going on all throughout Mexico, Pancho is positioned and operating in northern Mexico.
0: Uh-huh. And and
2: very, very close to the US border.
4: Oh.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, like super close. So Uncle Sam is just watching with this nervous look on his face <laughs> as this Mexican bandit turned revolutionary is just causing all sorts of havoc right over the border. And yeah. uh, how close how close to the border are we talking? Well, in 1911, Pancho, along with some other revolutionaries, attacked and captured the city of Juarez. Oh. And Juarez is, like, touching Texas. It's, It's just right there. Wow. Yeah. But thankfully, in that same year, only one year into the revolution, remember, President Diaz stepped down, and the revolution was a success! Hurrah!
0: All right!
2: Yeah, one year in... That, that's great. Just one year revolution, evil president steps down, success. Perfect. Hell yeah. Just, so Pancho and the other revolutionary bandits were told to retire back to civilian life. But Pancho wasn't having this. The government land that he had conquered during the revolution, well, he wanted to keep it along with his revolutionary brethren instead of handing it back to the ruling class. Kind of makes sense. Uh... Are you there? Yeah. Oh shit! Okay. You're just <laughs> silent. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I, I I I zoned out for a second.
2: No, you're good. Anyway, the leaders of the revolution want him to hand the ba- hand the land back to the rich folk in order to rebuild relations. Okay. Uh, and if you'll remember that guy Madero, he had been the one who had started the revolution in the first place because he had run up against President Diaz but now people were starting to think that he sold out and just became the new kind of dictator.
4: Oh my
0: gosh, who could have foreseen this? (laughs) Right? And Pancho was
2: also upset about this, and he actually confronts the guy uh, at a banquet and famously stated, You, sir, have destroyed the revolution! It's simple. This bunch of dandies have made a fool of you and will eventually (laughs) cost us our necks... Yours included.
0: Oh my god.
2: And sure enough, a revolution soon breaks out again again, amongst the revolutionaries. So now their faction has split into two factions that's fighting each other. Does this remind you... This reminded me of the young Turks uh, in our Talat Pasha episode. Yeah, yeah. Where... Where they're fighting against the the Turkish monarchy, but as soon as they win, they break down to their own factions and fight each other. It's yep. it's happening yet again.
0: Yeah, that's so now real you, familiar.
2: <laughs> it is. So now you have Madero, who's the new president, and his guys fighting the new revolutionary side, which is led by this guy this guy named Orozco. Okay. And both sides both sides try to get Pancho to join them because he's, he's actually a skilled military leader. Mm. But Pancho decides to join with Madero and the federal government in order to fight the new revolutionaries. Interesting. And this goes... Yeah, he sticks with the so-called revolutionary traitors. Um, who knows why? I didn't include it because I didn't look into it too much. There's a lot of politics in this episode and I skim over it like, I'm, I'm not 2% milk, I'm just full skim milk at this point.
0: <laughs> okay, that's
3: fine. You're not
2: even getting 2% of the content. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Pancho's with the Federal the federal Army, and he, he wins a few battles. Uh, but remember that Pancho is now fighting alongside the Federal Army, and only a few months earlier, he had been fighting against them.
3: <laughs> right. Weird
2: situation. And this causes all sorts of problems, uh obviously. Pancho is put under a federal officer named Huerta. And Huerta gets kind of jealous that Pancho is winning all of the fame and fortune. So he does the only the only logical thing and accuses Pancho of stealing a horse and calls the guy a bandit. What the- which oh. J- just think about put put yourself in Pancho's shoes for a while.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh He started life as a bandit, right? But now he sees himself as a revolutionary.
0: Uh
3: So
2: to call him a bandit is actually a pretty derogatory term. Yeah, Um, because it's like, hey, you're no better than where you started. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're 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 not loyal at all. You're just you're just some some crime lord, basically. Right. So Pancho gets mad about this, and he punches Huerta right in the face.
0: Oh my God! They were right there when they said, "Okay."
2: I don't know if they were right there, but at some point, Pancho confronts him and punches him. Uh, but this is his military superior who he right. just punched. <laughs> right. So the soldiers, the soldiers seize Pancho, and he is sentenced to death by firing squad. Are you kidding me? Uh, nope. <laughs> So, there are so many factions within factions within factions. It's such a, a shit show. Uh, anyway, uh, right there and then, Pancho is dragged out, the firing squad lines up, and then Pancho is shot and killed, and our story is done. You liar. liar. Huh, yes, that is a lie. <laughs> actually, actually, what happens is the, the firing squad is lined up, but at the last possible minute, a letter arrives from the government ordering that Pancho be spared. Oh! And there's actually a picture of this exact moment
3: with really? Pancho.
2: Re- yeah, it's crazy. Pancho is there receiving the letter, and the Mexican sh- soldiers are uh, are putting away putting. Ah, I can't talk. They're putting away their rifles. It's like the exact what? scene where Pancho's life is spared.
1: Wow! Yeah. Oh
2: man. It's a pretty crazy picture. Uh, You can see it on Pancho Villa's Wikipedia page, which I did not use, of course, (laughs) uh, for writing this. But it's there in case... I've heard. I've heard stories that it's there. Anyway, I'm going to take a sip of coffee. So, Aaron, tell us a story about your childhood.
0: Well, when I was a kid, I had light-up shoes, and they were great. That's my story. Okay. uh, Adequate.
2: (laughs) The problem with Pancho. Okay. Is that he had still punched his superior.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he was put in a
2: military prison. And uh, he was moved around to a few other military prisons. But he eventually escaped on Christmas Day in 1912. And he escaped to Texas. Whoa. Uh, I know it's an oxymoron because you don't escape to Texas, you're <laughs> sentenced to Texas. <laughs> But either way,
0: depends. So on the things
2: only—that's <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Things only get worse for Mexico, though, because in 1913, President Madero, who was the revolutionary leader, remember, he's assassinated, oh, and Huerta, that revolutionary of the other faction, he he takes power.
3: <laughs> okay. It's just—it's
2: crazy. Just remember. Remember now that Huerta was the guy who tried to kill uh, Pancho because of getting punched in the face, right? And now it's it's the third, it's the second re- revolutionary, but the third president of Mexico. And we're only three years into this whole revolution Jesus disaster.
3: God.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Pancho hears all this, and he doesn't like it, so he heads back into Mexico to start fighting against the forces of Huerta. Because, A, Huerta tried to kill me just a few years ago, or just a few months ago, actually. And, B, Huerta killed my leader, um, Madero, which I don't like. <laughs> are you right. following? This is uh, this is I, just I'm, complicated. I'm
0: with you. I know th- these revolutionary episodes are always complex, yeah, and it's like at this point I'm like I'm so used to it I'm just like all right so then this guy was all right this guy and then uh huh mm-hmm.
2: yeah When's it and it's stop? it's
0: who knows like <laughs> maybe when nothing is left <laughs> pretty much
2: and I'd never know how to tell them because I don't want to introduce all of these different character names of the faction leaders but yeah. at the same time if I don't introduce more names it's even more confusing so it's just.
0: I don't know. Right. This is
2: just an introduction.
4: <laughs> if right. you well, want
0: to, it's an intro yeah. for both of us because we don't know much about it. Um, I mean, I certainly mm-hmm. read about it and and uh, learned about it in history class at college, but, um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just so funny to see all these revolutions having the same hallmarks. You know, they just yeah. It's like, oh, okay all right, so now we're getting rid of that little group of people because they're the bad guys, you know, it's always mixed up. Exactly. With, hey, like we were talking about, the English Civil War, it's always mixed up with witch hunts and all that stuff. You know, it's, Mm-hmm. yeah, wild. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. sorry.
2: So, so what you have is you, you had the revolutionary, the revolution start because of the evil president. Then the revolutionaries win, and they're in charge of the government now, but right. those revolutionaries break into two factions. The uh, the one faction beats the other, and then that faction breaks into two separate factions and starts eating itself away. How so nice, right now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right now, what we have is Huerta, who who's Pancho's nemesis, basically. Huerta's in charge of the government, but he's fighting this this new revolutionary uh, revolutionary force, and of course, Pancho joins up with that group because he just he just hates Huerta and he wants to get rid of him. Right. Anyway, it's 1913 and 1914, and our boy Pancho just adds to this whole madness. He's <laughs> up there in northern Mexico, and he makes his own little army by recruiting Mexican patriots and mercenaries from all over the world. Whoa. And seriously, there, there were guys from like Sweden, from Germany, uh, and some of these mercenaries we'll have to cover <laughs> in different episodes because they have their entire own story, which is crazy. Wow! Um, Whoa! That's there's this
4: whew,
2: yeah, there's this one Swedish mercenary who fought with with uh, with um Pancho, but he also fought in like seven different wars and eighteen different revolutions. It's crazy, the life of a mercenary.
3: <laughs> Shit! <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll, wow. we'll cover him in a future episode. Okay. Uh, but so Pancho's got this little army in northern Mexico. And he's just going all over the place, and he's making money for his army by forcing locals to pay him for protection, which uh, kind of sounds like like a gang. <laughs> yeah, that's a little Oh, uh, uh, But he's also robbing trains, which is, which is cool. Yeah. And he's fighting several <laughs> battles with the Mexican military because he was fighting against them, then he was fighting with them, then they betrayed right. him, and he's fighting with them again. He, he defeats the Mexican military in a few few different battles. Um, blah, 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 blah. Bunch of political and military stuff going on, which I'm going to leave out because I know you hate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, d- through this all, there's an American journalist named Bierce. And Bierce joined Pancho's gang and wrote about what the group did. He's he's a, like a traveling scribe, you know?
0: Right,
3: yeah.
2: The problem is... Through this all, Bierce mysteriously disappeared. And to this day, we don't know what happened to the guy. Uh, but he oh He died somehow. And uh, America was watching this and didn't really like its little boys going missing. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's complicated, but uh, the American government's starting to kind of watch Pancho. Like, oh dear, this guy's right over our border causing all sorts of havoc. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And one of our own citizens just went missing in his company. Yeah. But things are complicated because at the same time, um, at the same time, I lost my space. Uh, (laughs) But I found it again. So at the same time in America, there's this growing leftist movement uh, in the early 1900s. Hmm. And these, these leftists, they, uh, they see Pancho and they just adore him. And they make him into this legend uh, as this like Mexican Robin Hood guy who led an army of male and female soldiers against the rich in order to take their property, property and farms and give them to the poor. Ah. So they make him into this giant icon in America. He kind of was like this, kind of not. Mm-hmm. Again, it's complicated, but uh, it's pretty much agreed that they did make him into a figure much greater than he actually was. Uh, as yeah. we've seen in all sorts of political <laughs>
0: movements. Right, well you gotta have your heroes, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's an absolute requirement for any... For any kind of mass movement, you have to have icons. Um, yeah. So, and I've, you know, a lot of times it's it's not as conspiratorial as like, oh, they just selected it and they were conscious of it, um, you know, but sometimes it is. Like, they you see somebody out there who could be a good symbol for your cause and you're like, huh, what if we just, uh, what if we just promoted his tweets a little bit? <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, so that, that's kind of what ha- what's happening. But what's what's important to notice is that it's the American public that's kind of liking what they see with Pancho, but the American government's like, "Oh, this guy might actually be a problem later on down the road."
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah.
2: So just remember that his his relations with America are pretty interesting and important, which we'll get to. But meanwhile, for now, Pancho is just doing better and better. He uh, he becomes the governor of the state of Chihuahua. So we're back there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's not really the governor because again he's fighting the federal government, but the revolutionaries and himself actually make him the governor. So wow,
0: uh, that's Mexico. So, God damn! Like, <laughs> well, we said he's the governor, so he's the governor. We don't really need the mm-hmm. government, you know, to to tell us who can be a governor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy.
2: Wow. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, in meanwhile, what he's also doing is he's. He's hiring all sorts of military masterminds from all over the world into his inner circle. And because of this, he he kind of, he just achieves military dominance in most of northern Mexico. Mm. And because of this, who shows up? Let
0: me guess. A Uh larger power. Kind of. (laughs) Hollywood! Yep. (laughs)
2: So Hollywood shows up, and uh, they're interested in Poncho, and they make a they make a deal with him. Hollywood is going to film Pancho and his soldiers, uh, just doing their thing, fighting their battles, living their lives, and in return, fifty percent of Hollywood's profits from these videos would go towards the revolution and Pancho's military. That's nice. Yeah, and he he starred in I want to say four films. Uh, that Hollywood produced about him, and there's actual footage of him fighting and whatnot. It's it's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. He uh, another way he funded his his campaigns was he stole gold from the banks in his own land, so that he could basically make his own state's currency on the gold standard, and this this currency became widely accepted in northern Mexico. So, just Mexico is just. It's crazy right now. You have different governments. You have different currencies. You have different factions. It's a disaster. That is anyway.
0: Jeez, like wow. And, it's almost like it's almost like they need their little their own little uh, Bismarck to come
2: in. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Oh yeah, and keep in mind that speaking of Bismarck, this is 1914. All right, hmm. World War One has just begun. <laughs> And uh, and speaking of the United States, they invited they invited um, Pancho to meet General Pershing and General Patton.
0: Oh shit! And he
2: did. Oh, <laughs> so there there are pictures of the three of them just standing together, grinning with their their mustaches and their military uniforms. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh. But meanwhile, though, Pancho is building up his new professional army into a steamroller with the hopes of driving into central Mexico to overthrow the federal government once and for all and start things over. <laughs> this way we'll do it, or this time we'll do it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he and his troops, they begin their campaign to march south and there are all sorts of battles and skirmishes. Mm. Uh, but again, since Aaron hates military history, here's what Im- what's important. Pancho wins, again okay. and again and again. The big ultimate battle and bloodiest battle of the revolution happens at the taking of Zacatecas, which is not the pronunciation. But that's—I'm a stupid, ignorant American. I'm gonna so let that's you get away.
0: Just you get a pass, man. You get a pass. Maybe not from people who, who are listening. Who I know, who have noticed, <laughs> we can't pronounce things for shit. But no, I'll give not you a at all. Pass.
2: <laughs> Perfect. basically it was a giant silver mine (laughs) which is kind of cool um what's not cool is that it was a, a very bloody battle uh but pancho and his revolutionaries they won the battle and this victory basically ended the mexican federal government and the army was dissolved after this defeat and president huerta fled the country Now, remember that Pancho and his army is part of a much larger revolution going on all throughout Mexico. Right. So now that the revolutionaries have finally won again, guess what time it is?
0: It's time 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 for for another
2: revolution! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly! (laughs) (laughs) So the different factions break off again and start a new war. This this cycle never stops. (laughs) God. God. And again... Again, I'm going to leave out the politics here because they're they're complicated. But basically two factions emerge and Pancho picks one of the factions. Uh. But the other side starts basically a smear campaign against him and the people all over Mexico and the United States start to think that maybe Pancho after all is just a bandit and kind of a psychopath.
0: Wow. Hold yeah. up. Hold up. Mhm. I know you're on a on the you're on a time crunch here, but real quick Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Why? When does the revolution stop? When? I mean, can it? Like, actually? Yeah, like, and I don't mean, like, I mean... Because, like, when we studied these countries that had massive revolutions... hmm And we still haven't even touched the French Revolution. We need to get there sometime. Oh, God. Um, yeah. But it's like, when's it going to quit? When, when's, when is enough enough? Like, how many people have yeah. to die? How many wars do we have to fight? And the answer might be as many as it takes to get good leadership into power. But like, oh my god. It's, it's sometimes unbelievable that these things go on as long as they do. But.
2: It is. Well, and I, I've skipped over so much. But at this point, we're only halfway through the actual Mexican Revolution. It's 1915. It started in 1910, and they still have five more years of this shit.
0: Jesus Christ!
2: No. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: But
2: so back back to where we are. Basically, Pancho's losing a lot of public favor, both in Mexico and the United States. And unfortunately for him, uh, at this time he's he's basically fighting for the losing side and he loses a couple of huge battles and in these battles just thousands of his men are killed just like in a day Shit. and he's he's being pushed back further and further up north and by the time he he's back in chihuahua he uh, he's lost almost all of his men
3: oh and no. the men
2: the men that he does have left basically turn on him leave and join the other side <laughs>
0: Wow. So not in a good place. Yeah. yeah.
2: So at this point, he's really no longer a, a figure, um, other than just a, kind of an icon. It's just him, two hundred of his of his men left, and they're in the Mexican wilderness alone. Meanwhile, like I said, all social support for Pancho in the U.S. had pretty much died out, and the U.S. refused to send him more weapons. And they formally recognized Pancho's opponents as the new Mexican government.
3: Uh. So not good for
2: Pancho. Yeah. No. And Pancho is pissed at this because he he kind of sees this as the Americans betraying him. Yeah. Because earlier he had been like this this Robin Hood figure, and now they're supporting his enemies and not sending him weapons. And uh, and things only get worse. So in January of 1916, some of Pancho's men attack a train in Mexico and kill a bunch of people on board, including over a dozen American citizens Uh-oh. who are working for a refining company. So now American and Pancho, or America and Pancho, are really not on good terms. Because <laughs> yeah, he's, he's I... actually he's actually killed Americans. Yeah, now. <laughs> that
0: tends to happen when you kill Americans. <laughs> mm,
2: yep. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, Pancho refuses to surrender to anybody, and he begins a comprehensive guerrilla warfare campaign against the Mexican government. But here's the thing. <laughs> Pancho needs weapons to do this. Right. And he, he doesn't know where to get these weapons, because there, there's, not, there's not a significant amount in northern Mexico, because most of the federal supplies are in southern Mexico. So he he uh he starts to look north, over oh. the border. Oh no! Into America. Uh oh. So on March nineteenth, nineteen sixteen, about a hundred of Pancho's men sneak into the United States. They attack the town of Columbus, New Mexico. They kill several Americans and American soldiers and other and a bunch of Mexicans who are living there as well. They steal. All of the supplies, and then they burn ah. down the town.
3: <laughs> oh my god! So now god. Pancho,
2: yeah. So now Pancho has actually attacked American territory, and uh, Uncle Sam is pissed.
0: <laughs> right. Oh no. Yeah. Oh dear. Oh dear me. Uh. Yeah.
3: I need to get my happening. teddy
0: bear. I need to squeeze something fluffy.
3: <laughs> what?
0: Do that. What? What's the <laughs> I'm doing
2: it, all right? You can keep going. Okay, good, all right. <laughs> so over the next few months, uh, there are several more attacks on American soil from Mexico, uh, but we're not really sure whether or not Pancho was behind these. Mm. Maybe. It's hard to prove. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, President Woodrow Wilson said enough was enough and sent 5,000 U.S. troops into Mexico to find Pancho. Now remember... <laughs> World War I is happening. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just... The American soldiers are just marching into Mexico. He didn't... He, he didn't attack... Or he didn't declare war on Mexico. He didn't, like, work with the Mexican government. He's just like, yeah, send 5,000 American troops, find Pancho. So, it's not good eh. for, for Mexican-American relations. <laughs> yeah, I would
0: think not. <laughs>
2: So these 5,000 American troops, they march into Mexico, and they they fight Pancho's gang. And in the fighting, about 190 of Pancho's soldiers are killed, uh, but Pancho manages to escape each time. So Amer- the Americans eventually head back home, but of course, after hurting American-Mexican relations quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile... Pancho may have been working with the Germans in order to help him invade America <laughs> again.
4: <laughs> no.
2: Yes, because it's it's the middle of World War I everywhere else in the world. Uh, but from what I could find, most people don't think this happened. It's hard to prove. Right. I mean, there, there was the whole Zimmerman telegraph thing right. where Germany did try to, to get Mexico to invade America from the south, but... Again, there were so many different factions in Mexico. It's hard to pin down who, which faction they were talking to.
0: Right. Well, and that's another thing I wanted to I wanted to bring up. Actually, we we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, America sending five thousand soldiers into Mexico to capture or kill Pancho Villa. Um, yeah. Like, well, okay, so like, I'm put trying to put myself in the situation of person in leadership in America at that time. All right. You got this guy right. who's coming across the border and burning down towns and things, you're kind of like, all right, all right, I've had it. Let me try to work with the Mexican government, and you look over there, and it's just like a (laughs) fucking chaotic, like, (laughs) like, who's in charge here? And someone throws a (laughs) cup at you and slaps a pizza (laughs) on your face. It's like, this isn't a party. I mean, what do you do in that situation? You, you, you gotta get your phone. You left it at the party for some... You know, you gotta get it or something. So it's like, what are you gonna do? Like, mm. just stand there and look at your phone with all this chaos going around? You're like, shit, I hope I can get that phone someday. Or do you just, like, go in and just fucking get it? <laughs> like Right. I don't know. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just like, well, what the fuck else do you do? <laughs> you know? Well, exactly. And remember
2: that we're at war. <laughs> we Americans are at war at this time. Having your own cities. Well, not cities, but having a town in the South destroyed by foreigners is not going to look good to your own people. It's, it's going to be hard to, to, to say, yeah, we're, we're winning the war. This is going well.
0: Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. But it's like, you know, that is the other thing of it. it is not like it was unprovoked. Right. And it's not like, and it's, it's also not even like the soldiers were sent to like fucking take over Mexico, were they?
2: No, no, it's just, just to get poncho. poncho.
0: Yeah, okay. So, yeah. all right, I get it. Fine. <laughs> that's, that's it. A lot of bad shit happened in World War 1 that was unjustified. I don't <laughs> know if that's one of them. <laughs> right,
2: I know. All
0: right, fair enough. Yeah, okay. and I'm just
2: I'm just realizing I I don't know if America was involved at this point. I oh, don't know what the dates are. But either way, America was either in or on the verge of joining World War One. Right, either right. way, it doesn't it doesn't really change the situation.
0: Well, it's wartime in the world. Alright? Whether yeah, or not they, yeah, for they, they sure. intervened in Europe, it's still like, mm-hmm. well, we're producing weapons for the world for the war, you know, we're selling you know, resources and sending aid and that sort of shit, you know, to the Allies. We're in it. Right. We're we're in. <laughs> We're in a little bit. All right, sorry. Carry on.
2: No, you're good. So while this is all happening, Pancho is still fighting this guerrilla war uh, against the federal government of Mexico. And this goes on for a few more years. He wins some battles. He loses some battles. But eventually, he kind of just realizes that he's getting too old for this shit. So (laughs) he, he sends a message to the Mexican government and asks, hey... If, if I retire, will you, if, will you let me retire? Will you stop trying to kill me? And not only do they agree to this, they're like, yes, please retire. This is not good for, for our, our image. So they let him retire and they reward him, their enemy, with a, with a villa, 25,000 acres, Holy and gosh. half a million gold pesos.
0: Oh, what? So it
2: paid off! Yeah, exactly. Which is which is interesting, because it turns Pancho into this rich landowner that he had once vowed to destroy as a revolutionary.
0: Well, you know... Because,
2: <laughs> hey, when it's in your favor...
0: Yeah, it's like, eh, maybe I don't have a problem with the ruling class when I'm the ruling class, baby. Right, right. Uh, I'll take those pesos. I mean... <laughs> I get it. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Hey, I mean, maybe maybe his principles weren't that strong, but... Sure, yeah, we don't know. Maybe well, we do know. I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, paid off. Crime yeah. pays, kids. That's the lesson. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so this... He finally settled down in 1920, which thankfully was also the year that Mexico's 10-year crazy revolution finally came to an end. So things are finally settling down in there, and uh, that's that's kind of it um, for now for his adult life. One other thing to note is that during his whole life, uh, Pancho was super into marriage, okay. and he like the Puritans, except he married pretty much any woman he took a liking to. Ah, uh, and by the time of his death. We don't know, but he probably had maybe 75 wives. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ!
2: Yeah, so who knows?
0: That's at least it, 74 too many.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. So uh, oh. he's, often, he's often remembered as not only being a revolutionary hero, but also being portrayed as like this romantic womanizer in American oh. and Mexican fiction. And he may have been, um, uh, we don't really know all the details, but the other side of this image, and I'm going to give a trigger warning out there is that he may not have been like this at all. He may have, uh, forced women to marry him. He may have raped women. He, there, there are accounts of him, uh, potentially we are, we don't really know, but potentially ordering his men to, to attack women in entire towns. Uh, there's also evidence that he ordered several femicides, which is when only the women of a group are killed. Shit. Uh, so is this, is the smear propaganda living on? Some people think so. Some people think not. Again, he's a very controversial character, uh, and that's kind of why this is all so interesting. Is it's it's I can't get into his head, like I'd, I I want to believe that he's this revolutionary hero, but at the same time you kind of think, eh, maybe he's just a bandit trying to make the most out of life for himself. And mm. it's hard. I haven't done enough enough research to make up my mind, but I, that's kind of how he's remembered as is either one of those those two characters. Mm. Mm. Um, interesting. But that's. That's that's kind of it right now. He eventually settled down, made it big, and yeah.
0: That's oh shit, it. that was a weird note to end on. Uh <clears throat>
2: Well, that's that's kind of like his whole life. It's just weird. Like is this a good guy or a bad guy or someone in between? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's there's so many different accounts and viewpoints on him that you really just kind of
0: have to make up your own mind. <laughs> yeah. But- it kind of the whole maybe that was a smear thing worries me a little bit because it's like you don't know, right? You know, I mean, I, I haven't read anything on this shit, but I mean, it, it's it's a little bit like uh, what was that guy we, we just covered Ibn Batuta, like the whole oh, yeah. like, he, he was a xenophobe, like oh
3: yeah, the,
0: like that was so stupid. I could I could hardly believe what I was hearing, right. Uh, but I totally, I totally believe that there are people out there who are actually convinced that an ancient explorer who visited most of the settled world was <laughs> a xenophobe. Uh-huh. That's horseshit. Sorry. But, you know, in this case, it's it's sort of a similar thing. It's like, oh, he had 75 wives. Well, that's kind of a high number. Yeah. Oh, he, he may have forced them to marry him. Okay. I don't know. Like... <laughs> Was he a womanizer yeah, and, or was he not a womanizer? Like, what? If,
2: yeah. Which is exactly. it? And, and who knows? He could have been both. He could have romantically um, gotten his wives and he could have forced some. Who knows? It's, I did not do enough research to make a definitive stance on him. Uh, this is just kind of an introduction to his life, obviously. Right. But right. if you think he was the worst or you think he was the best, I'm sorry. I don't know enough about him.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is intro. This is, yeah. Yeah. This is less than intro. This is like, hey, there was this guy who did some things. But, uh... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, that was all very interesting. But shall we move into Matthew mm-hmm. Hopkins' End and Death? Yes. Okay, so you remember the old witcher? Just mm-hmm. going around witching? <laughs> yeah. Well, he only did it for like three years. Hmm. Uh, because, in, in and that was 1644 to 1647. Uh, okay. He actually retired in 1647, which hmm. is amazing. Uh, it's the same year because he was also being called in that year to be investigated for unlawful torture. Go figure.
2: Oh God! Uh, okay. So yeah, he just
0: kind of was like, "All right, I'm gonna just go home," uh, because he was already pretty rich from the witch hunting shit. Um, sure. And then he wrote a book. That book that we, the, the Discovery of Witches, uh, which we reference yes. today. Uh, The techniques described therein often being recommended in law books of the day. Uh, Oh, Jesus. And, of course, these techniques didn't last long because all they did was encourage more witch hunting. And at a certain point, people were like, all right, come on. Come on. Like, (laughs) you know, I I get it. But seriously, witches, come on. So, yeah, they got rid of all that shit. Um, But uh, his book was distributed nonetheless uh, to Puritans in the New and the Old World. Oh God! And forty-five years after it was written, it was picked up, dusted off, and distributed in a little town called Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, twenty would die for that mistake. Um, Oh God! As for Matthew Hopkins, he died at home on the twelfth of August, sixteen forty-seven, likely of tuberculosis, and he was twenty-five years old. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, like this time, you weren't imagining an older guy. (laughs) I was. It would have Man, to be I'm about an old corrupted backwards fuck to go around claiming you were hunting <laughs> witches, right? Yeah. Uh, but no, well, not this, this time. Hmm. Yeah. What are you going to
2: say? Well, this brings up a, a few job opportunities, I think. Because <laughs> we're about that age. Yeah. <laughs> what if we made a witch hunting podcast?
0: Uh, There's already many. Uh... <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he literally died at our age. Yeah. Um, and I just mm. want to say something to all of our fellow millennials <laughs> who think we're too smart to get sucked into something as stupid as witch hunting. Number one, stay woke. And number two, put away the fucking torches, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Seriously. Because yeah. you're, you're not immune. So, anyway. 25-year-old witch hunter. Unbelievable. Mm. But anyway, so I just want to end on one thing. Uh, there's a poem mm-hmm. written mm. in the 17th century by a man named Jacob Bright. And it's about... Matthew Hopkins, and I shall read it to you. All right. As I gazed out my window glass, Matthew Hopkins did by me pass. I asked him, pray, where was he going? Said he, only Satan may be knowing. And by his side there walked a man in a way that only Satan can. And in his eye a wicked gleam that proved he was high in Satan's esteem. Art thou a witch, he asked askance, or rogue or ghoul or ghost or nance? Quoth I, I am sainted Augustine, and thou art but a demon swine. Augustine, I guess it's supposed to be, but that's wrong. (laughs) Anyway. pale his (laughs) face that moment went, all his powers, evil powers spent. I took some water from a shelf and poured it on to Hopkins' elf. At this (laughs) time, the Hopkins, he did shriek and writhing did he grow a beak. Then after a beastly croak, the monster disappeared in smoke. This proves how God and church prevail, and demons and sinners can do naught but wail. For torment you a crone of Christian disposition, then surely your doom Christ will make his mission. Yep. Yep. Uh I agree. So it's worth it's it's worth pointing out uh that uh oh Hank, hold on, my boss is calling Oh yeah, it's it's not worth saying. (laughs) It is worth saying, however, um that a lot of people thought at the end that Matthew Hopkins was a witch himself. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Which is the greatest irony.
3: But is also yeah.
0: rather rather telling, is it not? Mm-hmm. That those who go and hunt for witches themselves, the witch, become. Or something like that. Right. Yeah, there was like a legend about him. Yeah, being, I like that. Like him being dunked, dunked or whatever at the end, taking the swimming test and failing.
3: Oh.
0: Um, because basically his reputation went from being like badass witch hunter to being like okay, this guy was totally fucking with us, and that was not cool. (laughs) Right, right. So, yeah, lesson (laughs) about that. that. But anyway, I'm done. Mm. So, shall we move into Pancho Villa's End in Death? Yes. Okay.
2: So, from 1920 through 1923, Pancho lived on his ranch with his large family and uh, his bodyguards. Many of his soldiers stayed with him. And he lived the life. And through these three years of peace, he often made trips and errands to various nearby villages, accompanied by his many bodyguards. However, on Friday, July 20th, 1923, he went, in, he went into town only with three guards and two other employees, which was not many. Yeah. And as they were driving through the village, a pumpkin seed vendor charged at the car, shouting. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> this, <random. laughs> was the, this was the signal for seven riflemen to jump out and fire more than 40 rounds into the car oh man everybody in the car was killed pretty much instantly except for one bodyguard who was wounded and uh, lived to tell the tale it was reported that poncho's last words were don't let it end like this tell them i said something Which is super sad. Oh my god. (laughs) But most likely he was just killed immediately. Because, I mean, 40 rifle bullets are going through the car. Yeah,
0: that tends to do the killing, doesn't it? Now, here's the weird part. Sorry, (laughs) sorry.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Here's the weird part. We don't know for sure who was behind this assassination. Of course not. Uh,. Yeah, so there are many conspiracies, of course, as to who was behind the assassination of Pancho Villa. From the U.S. government to former rival bandits, etc., you've got all sorts of things. But most historians think that the Mexican government was actually the were actually the ones behind it because Pancho had shown interest in getting involved with politics, and this ah. would just create another rival for the Mexican government. Especially uh, because he was their old enemy.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's a bit of a polarizing figure.
2: Yeah. 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 So Pancho's funeral was held the next day and thousands of people attended. He is buried in the city of Paral in Chihuahua in northern Mexico. And also an American treasure hunter may have robbed his grave, cut off his head, and sold his head on the black market. What the fuck? But who knows?
0: (laughs) Did you just make that
2: up? Nope. It's an urban legend. Well, god damn. (laughs) I hope that didn't happen. Uh, I hope so, too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But other than that, that's about it. Uh, He has a pretty controversial legacy, like I said earlier. He's also in four Hollywood movies, so you can see a video of him. He stars as himself. And uh, that's about it for Pancho Villa.
0: Well, damn. Uh, All I can say is good. This is a long episode, and I've got to (laughs) go. I have to go to work. (laughs) Yeah, shit. Okay. So let's head to the the history lab. Yep, get out of here. (laughs) So, James, what are you gonna do for the rest of the day?
2: I'm gonna burn witches. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you? I think you? it's time
0: to bring the show to an end for today. <laughs> Feel free to send all your hate tweets to WTADP Podcast. We'll read all of them and nod along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider finding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. It's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. Oh my god! I forgot to mention. What? We have a new patron. What? Yeah! Who? Who is this? His name is... His name is Zach. Ooh. And he is a... Cool dude! <laughs> <laughs> now tell me, Aaron, is this
2: the same Zach who starred on our episode 5? Different Zach. Different Zach,
0: okay. I, I know approximately 56 and one quarter Zacks mm. now, Mm-hmm. and this is one of them. And he is, uh... Yes. There are not I, enough Zacks. I don't Zacks. know what else to say. There, yeah, there aren't enough Zacks, but we do have one more Zach given to the show, and to that Zach I say... Thank you... Zach. As I get. I'm, not, I'm getting texts from a guy named Zach right now who's not the same Zach. Do you hear my phone vibrating? No. Jesus! <laughs> Too many Zachs! Well, thank you,
2: Zach. Thank you very much. <laughs> we will, um, we'll send you a gift.
0: That's yeah, a lie. Uh, We're not going to send you anything. <laughs> you get your shout out. There you go. All right. uh, So, yeah, if you want to join Zach and our other patrons, that's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. 50 bucks, 20 bucks, even as little as a dollar. As much as it costs you, uh, to, uh, to, bribe a politician. <laughs> I, yeah, I already used that one. Shit. Uh, Fund the revolution. Fund the revolution. Haven't we done that one too? Probably. Shit. Uh, as
2: much as it costs to buy the firewood to burn a witch.
0: There you go. Uh, Uh Helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson, Patterson, IanPattersonIllustration.com. With all that being said, we'll be, uh... Oh, wait. Sorry. Ian Patterson... You can view more of... Shit, I'm fucking this up. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.IpattersonIllustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of...
4: We're such a scam podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Fake
0: podcast! Say it with me, James! Fake, FAKE PODCAST! FAKE
4: MARE LUCCICA <laughs> LASTRO <laughs> D'ARGENTO PLACIDA è LONDA PROSPERO il VENTO SUL MARE la strada D'ARGENTO Placida è l'onda, prospero è il vento, venite all'agile, marchetta mia.